0: Good morning to you. It's just gone 10 o'clock on the Saturday session with Stephen McIver here till one o'clock this afternoon here on SENZ and SEN around Australia if you're on the SEN app or SENZ app wherever you are listening to us. Uh, Merry Christmas. If you are on the road listening, please take it easy. Drive safe. There's no need to rush. I got on the road earlier this morning about 7 o'clock. There was nothing on the road. I can imagine right now there are plenty of cars and trucks and caravans and boats and trailers on the road. Just take it nice and easy. You've got all day to get wherever you are going. There is no need to put it, pick up the road rage. Just, just take, have fun. And take a breath if you are going on holiday. If you're at work, uh, welcome in. A busy old time as we take a look between now and 11 o'clock this morning. Uh, We're going to go right back to the beginning of 2022. And just prior to being uh, made a day, we're going to talk to Dame Lisa Carrington, while well, she was Lisa Carrington, then we're going to talk to her about her wonderful year, uh, and particularly the Tokyo twenty twenty one. And then in our uh, summer cricket p- segment with PGG Rights and Turf, uh, we're just going to chat about a couple of things. The IPL auction was overnight; only a couple of player, Kiwi players picked up. Uh, Kyle Jameson for not much money, different to the two point eight five million he did last time, and also Kane Williamson is. Ch- uh, ch- changing team going to the Gujarat Titans, I think, as well. Uh, Plus, we'll also bring you highlights of the sporting year for the All Blacks as well. So there is a lot to look forward to. But before we go any further, I've got to just say, uh, everybody's been talking about this Melbourne victory, uh, this whole pitch invasion at Amy Park the other day against Melbourne City. Well, the FA, Football Australia, have handed down some stuff already. So basically, victory fans, Melbourne victory fans who were the ones that came on to the park, Uh, they've been barred from attending any away game. And also, they're not going to be able to sell tickets to home games. The only people that are going to be able to go to home and away games, basically closed doors, will be members. So members only. And uh, they're going to check tickets as well. If things have got a Victorian postcode, you're not a member, you aren't going anywhere. So uh, there are still plenty of things happening. Uh, 36 people were identified by police. uh, Two have already received life bans. Another eight were slapped with bands between five and 20 years. So they're not mucking around. Maybe they, yeah, Robbie McFarlane's producing this morning. Hey, Robbie, maybe they should do that with Salt Bay. You know, the guy, that that Turkish restaurant owner who likes to throw salt over his elbow on the thing oh. and, and got onto the field.
2: I know I know who he is. So
0: but but d- 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 what, a, what a total knob, right? Yeah. Like yeah. narcissistic knob. I mean, th- I see he's been banned from going to the... Uh, a competition called US Open Cup or something like that. I'd be saying, you can just stay away full stop. But as they said, uh, Gianni Infantino, Mr. of FIFA, because he's a mate, uh, he should be sanctioned somewhat as well for allowing it to happen because there's an unwritten rule when it comes to the World Cup that any players and family and those involved in the game are allowed to touch the cup. Yeah. Because let me tell you how how anal FIFA are through one experience... Some years ago, along with Hayley Holt, you know who Hayley Holt is, right? I do, yeah. Uh, We hosted the FIFA World Cup draw for the under-17 World Cup or under-20 World Cup here in New Zealand. I don't even remember that. And the stage was set up at Sky City, right? Covered in plastic. I kid you not, covered in plastic. Carpet. Brand new stage built for one one one-hour event. You weren't allowed to walk onto the carpet until they'd taken the plan. An hour before you did it. So you sort of had to rehearse in a different manner. That's how anal FIFA are, and that's how much ridiculous money they like to spend. So just a little story. So uh, Melbourne uh, Victory fans, yeah, well, you deserve, you get what you want. It's 10.05 here on the Saturday Session. At the beginning of this year, I had the opportunity to talk to Dame Lisa Carrington. She wasn't a dame there, but when you looked at her records, you went, my gosh, she is uh, one incredible individual. When she picked up three golds in Tokyo the year before making it five golds, throw in uh, 12 world championships, and she really is uh, a legend of the sport. But we chatted to begin with about something completely different. 10 past 10 with Stephen McIver and Robin McFarlane on Christmas Eve 2022. Take it easy out there if you're on the roads this summer. Please. We've already had one road toll death already, but in the Christmas season around the country, so that should be a stark reminder of how just be patient, you should be. Let's start our review of 2022 uh, with uh, Lisa Carrington. She was Lisa Carrington when I spoke to her just before being named Dame Lisa Carrington in the 2022 honours list after a magnificent, magnificent Tokyo. Saw her pick up three golds to take her total uh, Olympic Hall to five golds and one bronze. But uh, the conversation didn't start out like that. It is it. Lisa, thanks for giving us your time. Uh, we're going to talk the job in a moment, but you were announced as an ambassador for the Save the Kiwi charity. Have Kiwis and conservation always held a special place for you?
3: Uh, it, I mean, it's both, right? Um, I think growing up where I did in the Bay of Plenty, um, we had a huge kind of conservation uh, approach and mindset Being a you know a young kid and always aware of it, so it's something that I'm super passionate about, and just how unique you know unique New Zealand's wildlife is. Uh, It's it's super special.
0: When you were approached, was it easy just to say yes, knowing that we're losing something like twenty kiwis a week to predators?
3: Yeah, I mean, and it's also I think a lot of it as well. I felt quite privileged to be asked. to be a part of, you know what, you know, say the kiwi are doing, and you know, I, you know, kiwis are so special to us. So, yeah, I mean, I jumped at the chance.
0: Have you actually held one yet? Have you actually been in and actually held a kiwi oh. to give you that sort of that that <laughs> connection?
3: Not yet. <laughs> I can't get out of Auckland. so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell us. But, t- uh, the, tell us about it. The first chance I get. Um, yeah, that's something that I'd love to do, and just. Um, you know, be able to get up close and, you know, watch them get released because we've got so many, you know, so many places around New Zealand that are, you know, trying to be, you know, predator free and look after, um, you know, the Kiwi as well. So, yeah, it's really cool.
0: I I note in the press release that part of your ambassadorship, shall we say, is about an education program and you're going to use a call on your dog. Can you you explain that one?
3: Yeah, so it's not, uh, we haven't quite, we'll we'll kind of do that um, eventually, but yeah, I mean I think it really comes around um, responsible dog ownership, um, you know, when you're in the parks or just you're being responsible when you know that there's Kiwis around or that type of thing and looking after um, the areas, you know, like um, where I'm from, Ohope, we can't even have um, dogs on the tracks there, those types of things. So just being really aware of how kind of important it is to look after where we are walking yeah. and those heights that we go on, um,
0: yeah. What's in a dog's column? <laughs>
3: He's a Cavoodle, uh, so okay. um, he's yeah, yeah, cute. He's um, yeah, cute, super fun. At times, while I want to rest, he wants to play. Uh, so.
0: <laughs> Why did you call him Colin? Why Colin? It's such a it's quite a cool name, but hello, Colin.
3: <laughs> yeah, my uh, partner, Bucky. He he okay, if we get a dog, I get to name him. And um, so he, he likes the idea of quite old man, oh, you know, a yeah. human name yeah. Um, yeah, for animals. So there you go, we've got Colin.
4: You've got
0: Colin the Cavoodle. What a little sense now, does <laughs> it? Okay, so we've dealt with kiwis. Now we deal with composting. I saw on your your Instagram page the other day that you've, you've got back into composting your <laughs> your, your, your veggies. Uh, talk me through that one because you you are very keen about it.
3: Yeah, look, it's kind of one of those things that with all the time that I've had, you know, in the lockdown and uh, not, you know, coming home from the Olympics, kind of to think, you know, well, okay, I've done all these things, but what is my place in the world? And I think, you know, especially with um, how important, you know, Mm. the environment is and, um, you know, how much, how many emissions, we can, well, you know, we can reduce our emissions and that type of thing really got me thinking. And, you know, I think we can. I can do my, my bit and I can at least start with this compost bin that's already there that I'd attempted trying to do properly a few years ago and just crack back into it. And I think when I haven't been training, it's just quite nice to start some, or try, you know, implement habits so that when I get back training and that type of thing, when life gets a bit busier, um, you know, it's already – it's just something that I do. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's super, it, it, is, it is really important. We've got to look after uh, the world and New Zealand, you know.
0: You know, have you got one of these flash composting bins, or like when I grew up, my mum just had the old uh, scrap heap out the back that turned into the compost pile?
3: Oh, mine's just one of those, um, I don't know, ones you get from Mighty Ten yeah. or Bunnings, and it's kind of just, a, it just sits in the back, and you just open the lid and chuck it in, and. <laughs> You know, does its work.
0: (laughs) Uh, Are you a gardener? I mean, the compost is good for the garden, but are you a gardener or Bucky a gardener?
3: Yeah, yes and no. I think I um, I do enjoy looking after my garden, um, but with the time that I have, um, you know, I don't have a lot of energy for it. But (laughs) again, like I say, we've been in lockdown, and I've um, we've well, I didn't build it, but Bucky built a you know a a raised veggie bed, so that the next thing so quite enjoying i'm going to look forward to having some fresh produce and i don't know i feel quite you feel quite proud when you grow your own thing.
0: tell me about it it's, it's the best feeling that and it'll be your own compost as well so you're eating the stuff you ate before which is which is fantastic okay so we've, we've dealt with kiwis we've dealt with composting now we deal with kayaking i am still staggered to try and get it around my head that you want to go again where what was the moment when you said you know what I want to do it again.
3: Um, well, I'm actually quite interested. Why you think I wouldn't? <laughs> well, be, no. well,
0: I swear Okay, so you've asked me a question. I'll answer the question <laughs> in the sense that what else is there to achieve? Uh, you have you have scaled your Everest. You are our most successful uh, able-bodied Olympian. Uh, you are a, a machine. What at what then drives you? I
3: guess. It, um so uh, for me, I, I think it's not necessarily saying, you know, winning gold medals, that, that's my Everest. I think going, well, what, what's beyond that? Or mm-hmm. it, I think it's not necessarily about the, the outcome, which is, you know, closely correlated to what I do. But what, what's more? And I think, I mean, I feel like I'm, I really enjoy what I'm doing I get so much from it, and I feel like there's more to give and take from what I'm doing, why stop um, when I haven't, when I feel like there's more?
0: Okay, so, so what is um, more What is more for you?
3: So more is, is kind of like more, more personal growth, more, I guess, you know, being a sporting person, more physical growth, getting, I guess, finding ways to, Um, just develop and get a bit deeper an understanding of what I do who I am and that type of thing and I don't think I feel that doing sports um the way that I I can do it you know there's it's such a cool thing to be able to do and um I yeah I feel like there's more to more to go, more
0: to go for me. So listening to that answer, Lisa, it feels to me like you're not struggling, but you're sort of f- trying to figure yourself out now. And, and, it, and it reminds me, I, I heard an interview from Lewis Hamilton this morning, right? Seven-time Formula One world champion. He said to the interviewer, winning championships isn't isn't important now. It's how I can be a better individual and inspire others. Does that resonate with you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think even similarly like Kip Togi, you know, what he does, um or running um around his idea if he does it for the people you know it's not and not that you know that he's an incredibly amazing person and I think that you know if I can the greater that you know the better I can be I know that I'm gonna be able to help someone in a better way um so yeah it's not it's about me just figuring out, how I can get better and ultimately doing that I can eat, I can help someone um,
0: mm-hmm. and yeah better wow wow yeah it feels to me and don't misinterpret this feels like you're you're now going I'm gonna I'm gonna bust my ass for another three years and and have bigger traps uh, and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh it's almost like a spiritual journey for you I mean I, I'm impressed it, it really has sort of sat me sat me on the haunches does it does it feel like <laughs> that for you
3: yeah, I guess it's just a continuation of the, the journey as an athlete. And, you know, when it starts, I think what you really learn, what I've learned, is that it's not necessarily about, you know, winning medals or being better than someone else. Um, but, you know, what, how, I can, how I can do what I do, work really hard, but also be able to help people beside me you know, um, yeah. and I think that's probably, you know, or, and also just help have everyone a part of the yeah. performance, bringing people together, working together, you know, there's a lot that you can do in sport to create yeah. um, situations that, you know, you, you really get to pull on people's expertise and work to create a bigger, like a greater performance or a greater product. So, There's a lot of ways that you can help, and also helping my own sport develop and and the other athletes in my sport.
0: You must love training. You must absolutely (laughs) love training.
3: I, yeah, like, I guess that when you enjoy what you do, it's easy to turn up, and I think if everyone can find that passion, and not every day is an easy day, but I think when the purpose is really strong and um, because I value the work that I put in, so the hard work, you know, that every day turning up two to three times a day, you know, that that makes me quite proud when I say in the week or even after, you know, Monday, it's today. Um, I've done three sessions today. I'd be like, wow, that's a big day. Put pat on the back. That's yeah. awesome, you know? So it's almost like being proud of the work that you put in. And oh. I think if you can be able to do that, you know, by the time you get to the actual event or the the mountain or the peak, or wherever you're going, because of there's so much value in the the work, the training, you know, that moment is, um, you know, whether you win or lose, it uh, isn't really about that that moment.
0: Okay, one final one final question, and this can be <laughs> a simple a simple one for you. Uh, do you like to be thought of as a, of as a hero? or as a role model to young people?
3: Um, I think, yeah, I think a role model is quite, I think, yeah, a role model, I think. A hero, to me, seems like someone that you can't relate to, but maybe, you know, I guess when people see me performing on the world stage, winning medals, and not many people do that, I guess it's hard to be relatable, Um, but, you know, I think if I can be as relatable and as human as possible um, to be that role model that people believe they can do what I'm doing, um, I think that would that's probably more of an aspiration than a hero. All
0: right, Lisa, I really appreciate you giving me, giving me your time. Go give Colin a pat for me. Say hi to Bucky and uh, <laughs> just remember you've still got a wedding to plan as well.
3: Oh, yeah, that, no, I'm really looking forward to it, especially after being so long away from family and friends, um, really looking for, or hopefully it can happen.
0: (laughs) It will. Thanks for your time, mate. (laughs) Thank you. Dame Lisa Carrington uh, joining us on SENZ at the beginning of the year after her three-gold performance at the Tokyo Games. It wasn't too much uh, later that she was uh, uh, named a Dame, in the New Year's Honours list, and then confirmed that she would go to Paris in 2024. And she is also up again once more for Sportswoman of the Year in a very stacked field, might I add, at the... Halberg Awards, which are February the 15th in 2023. It is 10.23 here on the Saturday Session with Stephen McIver and Robbie McFarlane. If you have any thoughts about, and maybe memories, of what has been the best sporting moment for you in season 2022, even though it continues. Then the number to call is 0800 150 That's 0800 150 Or you can get on the temper bedpost text line and that's 8833. That's 8833. Keep it here on SENZ. 1028 with Stephen McIver, 0800 150 If you want to relive maybe some of your sporting memories on this Christmas Eve edition of the Saturday session with myself and, and uh, Robbie, uh, Bruce in Christchurch has just popped up on the line. G'day, Bruce. Ben oh.
1: McIver. How are you, mate? Um, I'm pretty good, mate. I'm just just rushing around. Um, not rushing around. I'm all I'm all Things out for the next few days.
0: So, so tell me, I was asking for uh, memories uh, of the sporting year. Have you got a special can, one?
1: Can I just say, um, is that young lady you've just spoken to, the most well-balanced, intelligent, beautiful human being, yeah, uh, that, that we have
0: Dame Lisa Carrington. Yeah, I'd, I'd give you that. I think she's one of many uh, inspiring uh, female athletes we have in this country that have uh, set us alight in season twenty twenty two. To be fair,
1: absolutely. Um, uh, look, I'm trying to rack the grey matter, mate. It's been a interesting, challenging year in a lot of ways. But um, how about Zoe Zadowski, Senate? Yeah. Did she not scale and achieve some amazing fights this year as well?
0: That'll do me. That'll do me. I interviewed her this past week because she were, was the recipient of the Lonsdale Cup of being the, mm. the best Olympic and Commonwealth Games athlete in 2022. And that'll do me. And the one thing I love about Zoe Zadarsky-Sinnett it, it, is the consistency she has shown since winning that bronze in Pyeongchang in 2018. But she does it with such a... And this don't misinterpret this line. Such a loose attitude, you know. Cool attitude. Yeah, exactly, man. You know, and she's part of a generation that know exactly what they're doing, but they, they live life to the fullest, and I think that's that's pretty special. Hey, mate, got to keep moving. How does Christmas look for hey. you?
1: Uh, just a a quiet uh, Christmas dinner tomorrow with uh, my wife and one of my one of my nice. daughters. Nice. Um, The other two are away at their partners and so on. I'm going to catch up um, on Boxing Day. But uh, everything is done. Everything's packed and wrapped and um, (laughs) I'm not going anywhere. My wife's working through Christmas and New year. I've got a couple of weeks off. Hey, one more thing. Here's to all the, not the peak of our achievers and our athletes and so on, but the ones that strive and work their butts off to actually get to a Games. And I've uh, uh, Aren't clearly identified as as winners and so on, but yeah. they're winners in their own right because that's what makes the games as well. Complete,
0: completely, completely. Though they're they're not the ones that always make the headlines, but they bust their guts for that four years Absolutely. between times, and uh, it's it's a tough life, mate. But it can be so rewarding, and and if and if the reward comes in actually making that game selection, then job done. Yes. Hey, Bruce, happy Christmas, mate. Please Which, be safe.
1: You're you're a great guy, mate. Uh, love your work and all the best to you and family and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks, mate. I really appreciate it. 0800 150811. This is the Saturday session with Stephen McIver and Robbie Farland. OK, time for the our summer cricket segment brought to you by PGG Rights and Turf, premium suppliers of turf seed and maintenance products to cricket grounds across New Zealand. Uh, just a little update. They had the, a sort of the mini IPL auction in Mumbai last night. In fact, I was on the phone to... Uh, Scotty Styrus, who was talking to a friend of mine who was hosting the event, a guy called Sohail uh, who I worked with in, in India six years ago. And they said it was pretty interesting. Uh, Ka- uh, Williamson, Kane Williamson, has gone from Hyderabad. He's gone to the Gujarat Titans. Base price, too. Base price, uh, which was around, th- well, the highest base price you could get was around $360,000. Uh, Kyle Jameson, if you remember, a year ago, was it, Robbie? Is it a year ago? He picked up like 2.85 million. It, it might have been two. Or was it two years ago yeah. he cashed and Well, he's uh, gone to the Chennai Super Kings for the basest of prices, which is $192,000. Uh, now, just to, if you want to, about other Kiwis, they're, they're all un uh so, some of them were already re-signed. Lockie Ferguson and Tim South at Kolkata, uh, Devin Conway, Mitchell Sant at Chennai, Finale at Royal Challenges, Bangalore, and Glenn Phillips at uh, Sunrises, Hyderabad. They were retained. Now, some that didn't get picked up, Adam Milne, Jimmy Neesham, Daryl Mitchell, Tom Latham, Michael Bracewell, Matt Henry, Ish and Scott Coogelon. Uh, the big winner was Sam Curran. If you remember, the English baseball had a pretty good T20. Uh, $3.5 million. And then Young Australian Cameron Green, 3.3 million. West Indian Nicholas Puran, 3 million. Ben Stokes still carving up at $3.1 million. And Harry Brook at 2 dollars Those are the top five most expensive players. The Dream Eleven Super Smash started last night at Bay Oval. It had a in the men's division, it had a replay of the final between the Northern Brave and the Canterbury Kings. Well, the Canterbury King is too easy. They were set 96. That's all the Northern Brave were able to establish at the Bay Oval. Canterbury Kings rolled home at 98 for one. Henry Shipley, the newest newest black cap, right, coming in for the... England is he coming for the England series? Uh, it was India it, and Pakistan. India, Pakistan. Uh, India yeah, thank, yeah, you. Yeah. thank you, thank uh, you. He took two for five, so that's pretty handy. Uh, and the women's game, which was the first game at Bay Oval, the Canterbury Magicians beat the Northern Brave Women. Magicians uh, one hundred and forty-six for seven, the Brave one hundred and thirty-two for nine. And Amy Southaway for Canterbury seventy-three off fifty-two. So that's what happened in the Dream Eleven Super Smash. Uh, and just quickly, Boxing Day Test. Australia, South Africa. They're saying that the wicket at the MCG is potentially softer than the Gabba, so it's not going to be a minefield, you might say. Because uh, Justin Simmons, who's the Proteus batting coach, quotes, noted it was less green than the Gabba pitcher, Gabba pitch. Excuse me, and wasn't enthused by what he saw on first inspection. I felt it earlier. I had a look, he said. It's still a couple of days out, so it's going to be tough to say, but it was a little bit soft at the moment. But yeah, we'll see where it's at in two to three days' time, considering the first test was all over, all over Red Rover in two days. And that is your... Summer cricket segment brought to you by PGG Rights and Turf, premium suppliers of turf seed and maintenance products to cricket grounds across New Zealand. Before we uh, bring you the All Blacks highlights from 2022, just briefly, uh, Robbie, you were looking because you picked the IPL winner last year, didn't you?
4: I did, yeah. Who did you pick?
0: Gujarat. And you picked it, right? And that's where Kane's going. Yeah, yeah. But you've been looking through the probable opening. Line I have, Yeah, is it is it st- is it harder for you
2: now? Oh, it's much harder. Why is that? Do you think oh, spread of talent? I don't know. Yeah, spread of talent. I yeah couldn't couldn't say it better myself. I I, I really like the look of Mumbai, um, but then I was like looking at all the other lists and I was like, well, now I like the look of like all the teams. So, yeah, very 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 tricky. Are you, um, are, you are you totally an IPL rev head? Um, I yeah, I, I definitely follow it. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you tr- have a favorite team? No. No. I don't. no. I, I I used to I used to be big. Uh, I used to just follow Baz wherever he went uh, <laughs> when, when he was playing that uh, that first 158 off 73, April
0: 2008. Oh, I, oh, you just just plucked that one out. Of yeah,
2: yeah, um, yeah. Huge innings, and ever since then, that was the first game of the IPL. Still blows my mind. And um, yeah, ever <laughs> since then, just followed Baz, and now now he's gone. So now I just I just watch it and want to see good cricket.
0: Oh well, we get to hear from Baz after 11 o'clock on this edition of the of the Saturday session. Shall we get on and remind people about the All Black Year? Let's do it. Let's do it. Where it all started at Eden Park. 1041 with Stephen McIver and Robbie McFarlane here till one o'clock on the Christmas Eve edition of the Saturday session. Wherever you are, I trust you are feeling good or if you're working, I know that feeling as well. And we just keep on keeping on and remember at least sometime over this holiday time, breathe, close your eyes and breathe and take the stress out of your life. You know, there is, speaking of stress, uh, there is always stress and conversation when it's An All Blacks season in front of us Particularly when you know the following year It's going to be World Cup year And in this case of 2023 It's going to be in France So there was much anticipation About how the All Blacks would fare in 2022 And we began at the Garden of Eden against the Irish
5: It's a new year of international rugby And Ireland come to Eden Park To try and storm a fortress That has for 28 years withstood all challenges Aaron Smith is there Scores and now Ardi Savia busting through. Can he sneak it away? Oh, he doesn't need to. Brilliant drive by Savia. Ireland came looking for their first win in New Zealand, but not here. The Old Blacks say this is our house, and they win it by 42 to 19.
6: Tonight, we're under the roof in Dunedin. Now, have Ireland got the numbers. Charging. Try scores. What a start from Ireland. Geordie Barrett gets on the outside. Off it goes to Jordan. Will Jordan scores for the All Blacks. Ireland have got the ball. The All Blacks try and walk over the top of it. it. Ireland will get it and they'll boot it into the grandstand. Connor Murray gives it off to Carberry. And a famous Irish victory. Their first against the All Blacks in New Zealand their fourth overall and fully deserved. It's been 24 years since the All Blacks lost two test matches in a row on home soil. But tonight here in Wellington, a talented Irish team has the chance to replicate the Springboks and the Wallabies of 1998 and take the three-match series. They go blindside through Hansen, yeah! slips it to Low, and yeah! gap, Keenan in a gap, and Keaton scores! What a terrific try! Now off it goes to Savier. Inside to Jordan. Now can he link up Will Jordan? Going to back his pace. And I reckon he will. Ho-ho! Will Jordan. There goes the siren. Back to Calgary. Okay, 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 okay. And that is that. Ireland win the series. And they fully deserve to do it. A rivalry that goes back 101 years resumes today at the Imbombella Stadium in Nelsprit in South Africa's northeast as the All Blacks and the Springboks kick off the Rugby Championship in 2022. Bowden Barrett ball pops up for Jan, pops oh! it away, and the Springboks are in. Ketley Aronsa the try. Caleb Clark finds a bit of space. He's on his own though. Can he do it? Go. He can do it. Oh no, what a chase, I thought he could do it, they will score, score. they do score, Shannon Frizzell, has been dropped by Frizzell, and try scored. Billy LaRue, Andre Pollard to put a full stop on this game, which he does, Springbok's too good on the day, and they get the victory, And the first win in the rugby championship by 26 points to 10. Alice Park in Johannesburg is the spiritual home of South African rugby. And it's a massively intimidating venue for visiting teams. This is where, in just a few minutes, the All Blacks need to turn their season around, or there are likely to be dire consequences. All Blacks asking some real questions of this defense. Popped away for Jordan. Will Jordan? Gives the pass off and the skipper has scored. Sam Cain's in. Here's Belimsa. Goes wide for the pumpy and he's in. Here's Arnie Savia. Pops the pass. Savia scores. They deserve the success of the work they have done. Over it goes. There goes the siren. And the All Blacks have silenced. The critics and they won at Ellis Park by 35 points to 23. Welcome to the Orange Theory Stadium in Christchurch. Looking for Gap, Johnny Barrett is away, gets the pass off, and Caitlin Clarkson and Argentina. Time is up on the clock. There goes the siren and Kubelli kicks it out. Argentina win for the first time in New Zealand.
5: The Puma's come to Hamilton on the back of a groundbreaking win in Christchurch up against them. An all blacks team under siege. The All Blacks threatening to go coast to coast here. Harbeli beautiful ball away to sell game. Oh, and Johnny Barrett is in! That's a brilliant try! Ardisabia <laughs> takes it quickly off the back, sends it away, Barrett the All Blacks! Outstanding response under all sorts of pressure from the All Blacks. They have thumped Argentina by 53-3. New Zealand's grip on the Bledisloe Cup now spans almost two full decades. If the Wallabies want it back, then it has to happen right here, right now, under the big dome at Melbourne's Marvel Stadium. The Aussies have got it and they're surging towards the line. And the referee playing advantage here. Valentini is over! The group quickly on. Good hands from Rotelic. Now Kaukiaho goes on his own! Oh, they're not going to stop him this time, the big man. He's in for a second. Ball on the ground. And a penalty, Australia! Australians giving a bit of a hurry up here, but this will go out and all they'll have to do is win the line out and hang on to it for a minute, even less. Oh, he's oh, oh taken too long! God. He's taken too long! That's massive! Oh, they were trying to run the clock down. This is a sensation!
7: I said to your player, I switch on the time and you play immediately. Okay. And you wait, you wait, you wait. So that's a strength for the All Blacks.
5: Jordan goes on his own, gets the ball away, and Rory Barrett wins it for New Zealand! Oh my goodness! Has there ever been a finish to a Test match quite like this?
6: Eden Park in Auckland has become an historic fortress for the All Blacks. Now Jordan, Will Jordan! This guy is a freak! Will Jordan gets the opening try of the Test match. If the All Blacks can get cracking... change, change, Don't change the old time. He's got the ball, they're going straight, they're getting a bit of help from the backs, they go to the line, and they score another one. The Wallabies got a couple of converted tries in the second half, the damage done in the first half, when they led by 17 to nil. They've outscored the Wallabies by five tries to two, and have come away with yet another win at Eden Park, so the record goes on. Final score here, 40 to 14. With less than a year before kickoff
5: in Rugby World Cup 2023, this year's end of year internationals will hold added fascination. And it all starts at the National Stadium in Tokyo as the All Blacks face the brave blossoms of Japan. A lovely little handoff to Iwasashek. Pops it up. Oh, this is lovely from the All Blacks. And Braden Enor is in. Roger tuivasa shipped a lovely ball away to Cebu Reese. And he'll sprint away for the try. The ball's loose. It's been towed ahead by Yamasawa. He's in. Yamanaka has it. Oh, brilliant passing. Here's Riley. Chopping back. Oh, gets it in. for Nagari scores. Sensational from Japan. up the penalty goes over, and the All Blacks do enough, but no more than that. Heroic from Japan, 38-31, by far the tightest margin ever between these two sides. A marvellous Principality Stadium welcomes the All Blacks who have had great success here over the years, 11 visits since 2002 resulting in 11 victories for Wales. It's been a tough Six Nations, but they've certainly got things together in their South African tour. Some real grit about this side as well, and young talent starting to emerge.
6: How long can Wales hold up here? Savia has to release it. Now a shot at the line by Taylor. Try scored. Now they do go to the back division, and here's a chance, and it's the new man, Rio Dyer. Whoa-ho. Trying to get it back now. Smith's got it sees a little gap off he goes Aaron Smith what a try the All Blacks have done the job big time in Cardiff final score 55 points to 23 the
5: majestic old city of Edinburgh the capital of Scotland they've never known victory over the All Blacks can Sunday the 13th of November be the day that Scotland rugby claims its most elusive prize Barrett sends a kick out. Here's a chance for Talia. He's in. In his first Test match, Mark Talia scores. The All Blacks have counter-attacking possession. Havili now. Calling for it. Oh, it's been intercepted. Darcy Graham. Carl Clark comes at him. Can't stop him. Oh, and Graham's in. Scotland have a chance to level it up. Stephen Fitter puts it out. The All Blacks got it right when they needed to. They had to work for it, but they did it. Four tries to two, 31-23 final score.
6: The All Blacks against England at Twickenham, one of the game's great sporting theatres. Won by England. Intercept. Dalton Papali. Looks like he's got the pace, and he has. And the All Blacks in early. Now the cross deck boy, we've seen some of off. these today, and it's worked brilliantly again. Here's the pace of oh, Rico I think he's gonna go all Rico. the way here. Rico Iwani, what a try! Remember, they've taken this from the kickoff. Youngs goes again. Charging hard. Fullback Stewart. Now it's with George. No, they haven't made it. Yes, they have and the conversion is made 25 all still time to go england take it down so now what's the attitude settled for the draw yeah it looks like it england happy with the draw as marcus smith kicks it into touch the all blacks led by 25 to six and what we finish up with a twickenham is a 25 all
8: draw.
0: And a result that ultimately cost Eddie Jones his job. And many people were crit- critical of the fact that England didn't give it a real nudge, even though the time was sort of pushing on the clock to try and go for the win. But that was your All Blacks year. Eight wins, four losses, one draw. And through July, August, they lost three games back to back two to Ireland, one to South Africa. And that's the first time they would lost three games back-to-back since 1998. And let's just remind you what happened after the, the Ellis Park test, which many of people are calling the job saver, for Ian Foster. He came under immense pressure to hold on to his job, but was renewed through to the end of the World Cup. Then all the talk started about uh, Scott Robinson. Would he go to England? Well, no, he hasn't gone to England. Steve Borthwick was named as the coach, along with former league Kevin Sinfield as his defensive coach. And Scott Robinson will continue on with uh, the Super Rugby and the Crusaders. Will he be named as the next All Black coach before the World Cup? Will the New Zealand. Well, New Zealand, we change the way they do things. I think that's one of going to be one of the interesting things to look forward to in 2023. Apart from the World Cup itself, and our thanks to the team at Sky Sport for those highlights as well. Pretty busy first hour. It gets just even busier between 11 and 12 on this edition of the Saturday session. Uh, after 11 o'clock, we hear from Ryan Fox, who was back in town for Christmas and what has been a stellar year for New Zealand's leading golfer, finishing the year at around 29 in the world. That's 29 in the world. We'll also hear from Baz McCullum, talking to the Izzy and Kempi on Izzy and Kempi for Breakfast, about just (laughs) how, how he is creating such an incredible culture and environment and results for the English cricket team. They've won nine out of 10 tests, Robbie, since he took over. But he does hate the name Baz We do know that. Also, we'll have a bit of fun as well. Sam Hewitt, our afternoon producer, has produced uh, Sam's blooper reel. So there's a lot to talk through as well as if you want to be part of the show and uh, give us your memories of 2022 in a sporting year, then feel free to call on 0800-150811. That's 0800-150811. Or you can... Uh, Texas on the Temper Bedpost text line on double eight double three. Temper and Bedpost's range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort, which is what we should be doing at this time of year and giving it just a little nudge and going, ah, that feels good. It's 10.56. It has just gone 11 o'clock on SENZ around New Zealand and in Australia on the SEN app. Happy Christmas to you wherever you are. If you're heading away on a break right now, take it nice and easy, won't you? And uh, just think you're probably going to see family and friends and keep smiling and breathing and just having, having a good time. Busy little hour coming shortly. Ryan Fox, who was back in the, has, came back in the country about two or three weeks ago, he had a good chat to him about his year. Our Living Legends segment with Somerset. It's going to be uh, Brendan McCullum. Right, former Brecky host here, talking to the current bricky host Izzy and Kempy about the year that they he has had with England cricket. We'll recap our gold medal haul in the Commonwealth Games. It was a really fun time too. And then before midday today, we're going to hear Sam Hewitt's 2022. We just like to call it the SNZ bloopers. And there's nothing like. Did you make any blooper? Do you make the real at all, uh, Robbie? Did you make the blooper? Uh, I like
2: make an appearance. You make an appearance. Uh, I I You make I was it. talking to Steph when he had a blooper and then Sam also mentioned my name once. Okay, so wow. Well, I know, I'm basically, basically ba- famous. Hey, mate, you ba- <laughs> you'll
0: you have your five seconds of fame in the blooper reel before midday here on the Saturday session. All righty, uh, Ryan Fox. It is it. The other day I had the good fortune of talking to one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet, and that's Ryan Fox, who was uh, back in the country. He was playing the Super 6 tournament on Friday at the Royal uh, Auckland and Grange golf course but I wanted to chat to him about the year that he's had and asked him straight up uh, wow finishing the year how does it feel to finish as world number 29
9: uh, pretty surreal to be honest it's been a, uh, a a pretty quick rise up the rankings this year and um, you know enjoyed every every minute of it and you know to get a couple of wins and yeah, you know, also you know we'll be be there for the masters next year as uh, sort of I've ticked all my goals off and, and more so yeah I'm, I'm pretty happy sitting here and um, getting to reflect on the year now
0: for a golfer how big a deal is the Masters that one tournament
9: yeah I mean it's the majors are obviously a step above everything else and um, yeah I think the Masters is, is sort of the one that's held differently than the rest I, mean, I think the Open as well is, is probably um, you know, especially in Europe and the UK it, it's held in pretty high esteem but there's something about Masters you know it's know, the same course for, I think <laughs> since nineteen thirty four, it's no, it's got all the history. It's yeah, there's I oh, know there's, as, just, I think just as a golfer in general to be able to go there and play or, or watch it, it's got an aura about it, and then to actually do it and play it in the Masters, I think okay. has just a, a little bit of extra significance.
0: Do, do you think? Do you think it brings the scare factor to a golfer?
9: Um. Yes, I think so. I mean, it, it's just renowned as. I, I think the Greens have the scare factor to them. They're fast and slopey and everything like that. I don't think it's no, it's not a Shinnecock or something like that, a US Open venue that's regarded as being absolutely brutal. But I just think it, it's, it's got an, I think an aura is probably the best way to put it. There is something about that place that's just special.
0: So twenty twenty two has been a standout year. You finished second on the European Tour, which is mega. But where does that stand in winning the Alfred Dunhill Links? Which is the better?
9: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess second. Second is probably better overall because you know it shows a good form over the whole year. Yeah. But you know, I guess in this game, winning's kind of everything. You know, you don't get to win a lot in golf. I mean, you think Tiger it is. At his absolute best, was winning 30% of his golf tournaments, which in itself is scary. But it's you know it's nothing like the All Blacks or a Federer or a Djokovic Nadal kind of thing. So I think you know a win is extra special in this game, and you know to get two, but especially one at Dunhill Links, one of one of our iconic uh, tournaments, and you know uh, getting to do it at the home, getting to win at the home of golf in St Andrews on Sunday, is that was pretty hard to beat.
0: Has there ever been any desire to go on the PGA Tour?
9: The, the dream's been there for a while. I thought it had kind of passed me by a little bit, to be honest. You know, I'm, I'm 35 now, and it seems to be getting younger and younger golf these days. So um, I was quite happy in Europe, but it looks like I'm going to get an opportunity to play a lot of the state next year. So that sort of dream's been reinvigorated slightly and looking forward to a bit of a new challenge in that regard.
0: Mate, you, you, make, you make 35 sound like you're
9: over the hill. My gosh, that's that's super young, man. In, in golf, traditionally, it has been, but it's certainly getting younger. I think I read something the other day. Um, you know, the average age on the PGA Tour 10 or 15 years ago was was sort of mid-30s, mid, mid 30s, even later to 30s, and now it's sort of late 20s, and there's a lot of guys that come out 21, 22, okay. you know, winning everything. You know, Jordan Spieth, those kind of guys. And I think because golf's become a lot more athletic a lot, a lot more power based. I think the window in the games a lot shorter. You know, it's, it's becoming a lot more like other sports where you know you've probably got from twenty to say thirty five as a you know a sport like cricket or tennis or something like that. You know, you kind of not necessarily over the hill, but it's harder to compete with the younger guys when you when when you when speed and power is involved. And golf's definitely going that way now. But I still feel like I've got a few good years left, at least.
0: Oh cribs! It's a brutal reality uh, reality check,
9: though, isn't it? It is. It is, and I mean, you know, it's kind of weird thinking about it. you know. I've had my best year as a thirty five year old, and if I'm playing pretty much any other sport, yeah, you know, I'd be thinking about retiring right now. So, you know I can count my blessings in that regard. But it's certainly, I think, getting harder and harder to compete. As you get older, you know, into your 40s now, you tend to lose a fair bit of distance, and, you know, distance seems to be king, and especially men's golf at the moment. So um, I might have to put in a fair bit of work to keep up the length that I've got and, and be able to compete with those young guys.
0: But does technology help that as well, club technology?
9: Yeah, club technology definitely does. I mean, you look at someone like Phil Mickelson, who, you know, we obviously won the PGA a couple of years ago and, and went on a, on a distance or chasing distance for a little while. And, um, you know, a lot of that was technology, lighter like shafts, um heads, you know, the heads, um, you, know you, you can definitely mitigate some of it. It's not like the old school where it was wooden drivers and steel shafts. And it was, you, you kind of, it was all on you to, to how hard you swung it. So at least, yeah, I can definitely look at technology in that regard going forward.
0: I, I'm intrigued to understand how Marcus Wheelhouse has helped you.
9: Mark, i've been with Marcus for ten years it's been he's helped every every bit of my golf game I was pretty much ready to to give up and my second year as a pro when I started working with Marcus and i mean you can yeah i'm I'm here now obviously in the top thirty in the world so I can thank Wheelie for, for so <laughs> basically all of that
0: what what do you think was the
9: major change he made to you attitude uh no it was it was, well i think it was a lot of everything but it was the um, technique. Is I, I do a lot more technique stuff with Marcus than anything else. And um, you know, we were. I guess when I went and saw him, I, I had a at a golf swing that wasn't easily repeatable. Um, and obviously, consistency is king in this game. And uh, we worked pretty hard for a decent period of time to, you know, to be able to do it. And then to also be able to do it under pressure consistently is is key. And yeah, it's, it's been a long process, but. You know, I wouldn't say we've figured it out because I don't think you ever figure out this game, but I've figured it out more often than not at least.
0: What, what do you think was the key to the relationship of, of him improving you as a golfer?
9: Well, I, the big thing for me is Marcus has played. you know, he played on tour for so many years, so he understands how how to get you know that the score is the best is the most important thing in this game. Doesn't matter. It doesn't have to look pretty. Obviously, consistency is important, but it's you know it's getting a ball in the hole. It's, it's hitting shots you want to hit under pressure, and having someone that's played the game at a high level. Um, you know, obviously, it was world number one amateur and played tour golf. I think it was for twelve or fifteen years. Um, you know, and I first met Marcus playing golf against him. So um, to have someone with that insight and you know, it helps when you, you know you know in tournament mode. You know, a little tweak can make a big difference, but it's not time to go and you know reinvent the wheel. So we've we've picked and picked our moments quite well when to really work on the golf swing, and then when to kind of just manage it best we can in, t- in tournament mode. And he's been really good at that over the last ten years.
0: Mate, do you think casual observers of golf have any idea of the grind of a professional golfer?
9: Um. I think they've got an idea of how frustrating the game is. I don't think they quite, uh, I think they've said it as a bit more glamorous than what it's made out to be. Um, You know, we, you know, you see especially the top guys flying, you know, private jets or, you know, in the case of a few of them, flying their own jets everywhere. And we get to play some amazing golf courses, but you see a lot of hotel rooms, you see a lot of airports. And in the end, you know, you play 30 events a year. um, You know, you've still got it's still a hotel room, it's still a golf course, it's still an airport and it's it does become a bit more of a job than what it's, what you think and then, you know, any any weekend hacker will know that that golf will do your head in and when you're doing it a couple of hundred, 250 days a year or something like we do it, it's going to get to you at some point so there's definitely the, the frustration level uh, is pretty high for us at times but, you know, I still get to do what I love for a living so I'm not, not complaining about that but it it, does, it is probably a little A little tougher at times than what people think it is.
0: Are you at the point in your career where you can take uh, wife Annika and uh, daughter Isabel on tour with you?
9: Yep, so they did. uh, They actually travelled last year through COVID a little bit at the back end of last year and they travelled. They're up in the UK, based in the UK from June this year. And we probably came to about 75, 80% of my tournaments after that. So I did long haul travel as well. We went to South Africa and Dubai at the end of the year and then came home. So that it's great having them on tour obviously traveling with a toddler <laughs> she's almost two now it makes it a bit more interesting but yes. you know it, it actually helps with that frustration side of things you know I get off the golf course doesn't matter what I shoot you know she she treats me the same and it's a, it's a good distraction in that way you know I can sort of leave golf at the golf course kind of thing and you know in previous years I might have probably taken it back to back to the hotel room and let it frustrate me even more and having them travel has been great
0: maybe that's the secret sauce to 2022
9: hey yeah well it certainly helped with being able to travel properly this year um, and yeah having, having them on tour for the most part was great we obviously had a, a few difficult moments as anyone that's travelled with a toddler will know but um, yeah it's, it, yeah, it was a lot of fun and hopefully we can do some of the same next year does,
0: does being in the top 30 does that bring any benefits to you from tournaments
9: um, yeah, it does. I mean, there's a, some of the top 50 events in the States next year on the PGA Tour. So um, you know, Bay Hill, the match play players, um, a few others, and obviously all the majors for next year if I can stay in the top 50. So, yeah, there's a lot of benefits in that regard. And, um, yeah, it's a pretty exciting potential schedule for next year if I can stay in that top 50.
0: Grounded man is Grant Fox on the- <laughs> Grant Fox, Ryan Fox, on the Saturday session. One of the, He is one of the really good blokes going around. Another good bloke, uh, honourable mention too here, uh, Stephen Elker, his year on the Senior PGA Championship. Uh, four wins, including a major, 12 top three finishes, 16 top tens and 21 re- regular season starts. He won the first event in the Charles Schwab Cup playoffs, brought his season earnings to basically a little over $7 million. That's not bad when you hit 50, and you haven't hadn't done too much before that. So congratulations to both Ryan Fox and Stephen Alka. This is the Saturday session. It's 11.13. Coming next is Ian Kempe in our Living Legends section, brought to you by Somerset. Think new friends, new laughs, and a new home. Think Somerset Retirement Villages. Somerset.co.nz 11.18 with Stephen McIver Christmas Eve edition of the Saturday session on our Temper Bed text line. Just a question of what is the punters club code word today? Jillo. J-I-L-L-O. Jillo is the punters club code word today. Uh, Overnight, although it's still being played now live on Sky Sport 4, the final match of uh, another day, match 64 in the PDC World Darts Championships. Just winners to keep you up to date with in the PDC World Darts Championships at the Ali Pally. Uh, Brendan Dolan got the win. Chris Doby, Ross Smith, Rob Cross, 3-1 over Scott Williams. uh, Martin Schindler, 3-1. Danny Knopp at 3-1. Johnny Clayton. I got the win three zip of a Danny van and right now it's Joe cullen against Ricky Evans Cullen has two is leading two legs to one in the opening start of this match match sixty four that's right sixty four in the uh Thing tomorrow by the way or should I say the tw- they're going to have a break for Christmas but the one match to look forward to on the 27th Gerwin Price against Raymond Van Barnabout yeah Robbie goes mm, gives her that yeah no that's something to look forward to as is our Somerset Legends section think new friends new laughs and a new home think Somerset Retirement Villages Somerset.co.nz and this from Izzy and Campy
10: Izzy
11: and Z there's no better way to finish off this journey With uh, tapping into one of the OGs, one of them that convinced me to come on the radio, and then he got a better offer and he ditched me (laughs) and left me. But hey, I've made a hell of a friend out of it. I've got Kempi over here that's been helping me throughout the year. You got Louie, you got the boys in the kitchen, you got Aroha. So we are enjoying the journey and we love bringing you all things sport. And talking about sport, well, we got our good mate, Baz, the skip, the boss man. McCullum, he is on the line now. Baza, how are you doing, brother? Kia
12: ah, ora, boys. How is it? Morning. I hear, I, hear things are, I hear things are going pretty good back there at HQ, eh? they yeah. fires.
11: We're going good, brother. We're going good. You know we how we soldier on and get through the morning. But, mate, what about you? How are you doing? How's Pakistan, mate? Talk me through the Fort Knox and all the army personnel around your base there, mate. Like, it, is, it must be crazy.
12: Pakistan's been amazing, actually, mate. It's been really, really cool. Like, the people have been phenomenal. Um, the hospitality's been great. The security has been more than, more than you more could ever kind of wish for. And they've really looked after us well. And, you know, I think the guys have enjoyed the tour. And it's just nice to be back playing cricket in Pakistan as well, you know. Uh, think how much cricket means to the people of of Pakistan and, um, you know, for so long they they were starved of the opportunity to see their heroes and see overseas players um, playing in their, their conditions. So it's been really cool, actually, to, to be over here and, and it feels a bit bigger than just a cricket tour, you know, um, and hence why we've tried to play the way that we have and it's, it's, worked, out so, it's worked out pretty good and I found an absolute cracking golf course in Multan. <laughs> what what a course. Honestly, it was an absolute knockout. It was a Sir Nick Felder. I didn't even know Nick Felder was a Sir, but it's a Sir Nick Felder golf oh. course, and it is an absolute screamer.
7: Yeah. Well, you'll know about the Sir stuff soon. We think the English are going to give it to your next Bears. Yeah, you will be knighted the, soon, Before the, hey? the Kiwis <laughs> with, uh, with your record. Hey, congratulations, and yeah, in, in, in Pakistan. Um... Mate, just what are you doing? Like, do you get a, do you actually get to come home for Christmas, bears? That's what I'm interested in. Is like do you get to come back and enjoy it with us?
12: Yeah, good to talk to you as well, Kempy, mate. And uh, I know you've got a fair bit on your plate today, just making sure that, <laughs> you know, the other <laughs> fellow really gets through. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I do. I, I get back uh, on Christmas Eve. Nice. Um, which yeah, would be pretty cool, and then. Um, Liz is taken care of all the Christmas presents, and the kids are all excited. And then we'll, we'll just sort of play on and matter matter for, for the Christmas New Year period. And then we'll go and see Liz's family over in Australia, and then come back, and we'll rip into, the tour against New Zealand, um, back in uh, back in New Zealand. So yeah, it's a pretty exciting time really, but it's been good. It's been a crazy old year, um, and yes, it's one which uh, which I've certainly enjoyed, and the different challenges of that have cropped up have have been pretty cool. And it's been a bizarre year, really, when you look back on it. But it's been a lot of fun.
11: It's been a crazy old year. You're in Pakistan. You went there. You hadn't won a game since 2003. Now you've won the first game. It was like, you know, you've won the World Cup. The amount of time I went on Twitter and Piers Morgan was, you know, tweeting up a storm. You got everyone that was up and about. It's a crazy time for you in England cricket. But so how did you approach the, the, the series? Like, you know, like there was so much pressure. Everyone thought, you know, this has got to come down, this has got to end soon, this momentum. But you've just gone on and you've reinvigorated Test Cricket, which you've spoken about before that you love. So what what was the approach like going into this Pakistan series? Yeah, look, I
12: think, you know, with with our skipper um, being so so it's just a, uh, an incredible leader of men, really. Um, you know, he just is able to to grab um, everyone and and, uh, and and take them in a the direction which which they they had to have prepared to go. Um, you know, like they they trust him completely and they know that that he wouldn't ask them to do anything. He wouldn't do himself. Um, and I think that's so powerful from a leadership point of view. So when we came over here, um, he was. Was, well, the first thing we did actually was we donated all his match fees to um, for this tour to the flood victims of, of Pakistan, which I thought was awesome. an incredible oh. show of generosity and and philanthropy as well. And I think it was really um, well recognised and, and well um, received and, and appreciated by the people of Pakistan. And and then between I guess the two of us and some of the leaders within the group, we just wanted to carry on what we would built during during the summer, which uh, whilst we're focused, uh, whilst we're, we're judged by the results that we put out, and for us it's, it's not so much about the results, even though you know they are important. For us it's just trying to ensure that we free up the guys in the environment as much as possible to strip away some of the noise and, and the external factors that can come into play and just allow talent to come out. And I think what we've seen um, throughout the English summer and now here in Pakistan as well, with different conditions, is that there's so many talented players within the English cricket system um and by by getting them all playing for the skipper and, and playing this kind of style of cricket it, it, we're able to um, achieve some pretty cool things so we wanted to do that and we wanted to enjoy the tour um embrace as much as we could within the security restrictions which are obviously necess- uh, necessary um and just trying just really enjoy it and play a style of cricket but people would want to turn on the TV and watch, and I think so far we've done that, even though we've got one test to go, but it's been a, a great tour, and one which we we'll, we'll look back on real fondly, to be honest.
11: So, Baz, you've you obviously been playing a little bit of golf, but, you know, you're in Pakistan, and it's, you know, not, no words can explain, like, the hostile territory that you're in, so what do you do for, like, like you know, downtime, you know, what do you do to have that balance to keep the boys uh, invigorated invigorating, you know, ready to go forward and do the job, so well, how do you find that balance and keep them on?
12: Well, we've got a golf simulator in the team <laughs> room, so uh, what? That, that's just getting, that's getting smashed, you know, Like the boys are all gun golfers as well. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm really been bit on it, because my game's not that suited to the turf. I think I need the real, sort of, nice crisp lines of, sort of, you know, Central Targo links at the Hills or Millbrook or no, the, the the golf simulator thing is just a bit too hard for me but so we try and we try and ensure that they have a bit of fun um, in and around the team room and you, know, you get a pool table and things like that and just try and spend as much time as what you possibly can as a as a team we've been fortunate we've be able to get out and play a little bit of golf um, in longkan and also here in um, Karachi as well um, and also the gaps in between the the games are quite short Um so, yeah, we've, I think we've managed it really well and we've just tried to tried to enjoy ourselves, you know. I think
13: mm. it doesn't really
12: matter sort of what... In the end, if you, if you can get a group of guys together who've got great attitudes and, and looking forward to trying to achieve something special, then you make your own fun anyway, right? Mm. So there's plenty of cards and and, and things as well. And it's been a, a really cool trip and reminding uh, reminded me a little bit of what it used to be like sort of touring way back before kind of all... the um, all the internet and, and kind of all sort of social media and everything like that, you used to spend a lot more time kind of in and around your teammates' rooms and playing cards and, and just generally spending time together. So it's, it's been a, a pretty pretty awesome experience.
7: Yeah, you learn you learn a lot from each other too, don't you, Baz, when you're spending more time with each other as opposed to looking at a telephone um, and texting a mate who's probably two feet away from you. Hey, mate, I, I, I watched the, the games um, unfold and... I just thought about you know um, young Stokesy and his father Jed Stokes would be so proud of him, a keen and a, a, a guy that played for the New Zealand, the Kiwis. Um, I know he's no longer with us, Jed, but he'd be so proud of him. You've got that, you've got that Kiwi leadership going so well there, and I, you would have seen the the announcement of Tim Southey yesterday being named captain with Kane Williamson stepping down at the test and the test. What do you think of that? Like you, you know Tim really well. What do you think of him as a captain?
12: Oh, I think you do a fabulous job. I, mm. I think it's uh, a really good appointment, to be honest. I know, obviously, I, I've got, um, you know, I'm, I'm employed elsewhere, and and, uh, and you're, we're going to come up against New Zealand, and in, uh, in a few well, in six weeks time or something. But I think it's a really good appointment. I didn't think Kane was ready to step away just yet, um, even though sort of there've been a couple of conversations recently where it's sort of what um, which he sort of was try trying to work out how to just relax his workload a little bit, um, but look, he—I guess there's two parts to it. One is I think Tim will do a fabulous job, and he'll get all the support in the world from Kane um, as as a um, as a foot soldier now, um, just as Tim gave everything that he could as a foot soldier to Kane as his captaincy. And I think the second part is what an amazing job Kane did as captain of the Black Caps for as long as he did. Um, he took he took the Black Caps to unprecedented success, uh, he brought so much consistency of high performance um, from that side um, right throughout all forms of, of the game, he's achieved so much, he's done it in such an understated, kind of very Kane Williamson um, relaxed manner and, and I think he's he's been able to um, inspire not fans not just from New Zealand um, to play cricket but also from around the world, there's lots of people who consider Cameron Smith, like cap side, as their second favourite team because it's how they carry themselves and what they achieve. So, but he's left the cap in a much better place than he found with the blazer, as it is. When it comes to the New Zealand captaincy position, he's left the blazer in a better position than, than he found it, which was um, which was obviously off me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's done a, a remarkable job. Done a remarkable job, and and I look forward to sitting down with him at some stage and. Opening a nice time the line and, and posting to everything that he's achieved, and and then um, watching how how Tim goes about it because he's got a very aggressive cricketing mind as well, and and he'll want to play the game in a in a free spirited way too. So it'll be fascinating. And it's, yeah, it's exciting, albeit a, a, a tinge of sadness for New Zealand as well.
11: Very well said, Baz, mate. Louis here. Great to hear your voice before Christmas. Uh, good to have you on, and good to know that you're coming <laughs> back into New Zealand. Uh, I'm being a bit cheeky, Baz. Shock. Um, but now, with your slight change of main profession, should David Allison and Aquas Farm be worried come Karaka sales time?
6: Oh,
12: hello, Louis. I knew you were going to ask something about racing. I love it. It's great to hear your voice as well, mate. Um, are you referring to Am I buying at Karaka? Is that all you're? Well, I know. Well, I know the
11: answer way, to that. I, I, know, I know the answer to that. But I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering if the, some of those flary seven lots might be in danger, and DC might have a battle on his hand.
12: No, no, I don't think so. You know, I'm more for the love of the game type of bloke. You know, <laughs> um, so you know, I'll be, I'll be keeping my my hand down and and just trying to. Don't try to work out. Don't lie,
11: bears. What, what are we doing, what Pungle? What are we doing?
12: Well, mate, you were, it's so hard to get a good horse, right? Like a fast horse. There's a reason why they want to buy him because he's
1: fast and he's good <laughs> and he could be anything. And I'm, a, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. You don't need the money, is? Geez, man, you got heaps. It's like, it's, you know, like just let's just race them and see where we can go. It
12: could take us on this amazing journey and we could just bank all these amazing experiences. And if not, well, we just have to work a bit harder.
11: Mate, majority vote. You're the only one that's going against it. And uh, he's sold. (laughs) No, we haven't sold him yet, mate. Look, it's a big decision. You're dead right because, um, you know, you, you grow this connection with this horse. And, oh, first ever horse I've ever been a part of, so I wouldn't know, but... You grow this connection, then you get offered this money, and you're like, "Should you take it?" What about the luck bears? Did you hear him drop
4: that in first or Horse? Wow,
12: you know, you know, right what, I mean. what about? Oh, I want to check. I want to check the fine print of the offer because I reckon in there, Izzy Dagg's managed to just put his put his own little uh, stash away, and he's, <laughs> he's actually trying to buy Punggol outright. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to buy all the rest of us out and
9: just have
1: them for himself. <laughs> <laughs> no oh, way mate. no
11: way I wanna I want to watch this bungle uh, go to you know ramwick guineas and win the ramwick guineas that's a targeting race but he might be going to Hong Kong I'm predicting best sorry
12: mate, mate what does it say It's like a it, there's a saying I can't quite remember it's like the um, one good horse can can change a man's life or something like that.
1: This could be it.
11: This yeah. could be it. Dagger. Oh, man. Oh, man. You know me, mate. I'm easily persuaded. I'm whatever. Whatever the boys want to do. we got a good one. We've we got a bad one. Is. We don't know, but <laughs> everyone here is telling me to sell it, and you're the only one that's saying, hold it. And I'm like, what
7: do I do? <laughs> hey, Bez. Bez. Yeah, oh, and you're surprised.
12: you're surprised by
7: that? Bez, just before you go. A, got a, a great little...
12: horse will change your life, so.
7: Well here no, you go, no, we'll let you two argue about selling and keeping offline. But hey, um we've got a, we've got another coach over here that's deciding whether or not to sign for England or, or New Zealand and Razor. What advice can you give him? Uh, what advice
12: <laughs> just well, do it do it your way, I guess he's he's sort of yeah. You know, just do it his way as he will do. If he's the man of science, he'll be amazing, and I'm sure. I look forward to uh, to his kind of methods and his ways. And, and the only thing I'd say is um, maybe him and I could halves in the house. He could have it do in the winter, and I'll take it during the summer. And then, you know, we, we can just... Maybe go house with a membership at Sunningdale or
11: something. It'd be great. <laughs> mate, it, imagine that, mate? that flatting set-up. I said that Bazzi that's been a while back. He said, I'll have to get new carpet, though. All the dancing razor will be doing. Imagine that. you in the summer, i <laughs> in winter. It'll be outside. But it's the biggest.
12: Yeah, and I, don't, I wouldn't like the red and black carpet either.
11: Oh, mate. No, that'd look horrible in the house. red and black. Yuck. But mate, we appreciate you coming on the show. You're an absolute busy man. Hey, just quickly before I let you go, you you're playing Pakistan in the third test, you've got one more left, so what's the approach? You gonna let give some other players opportunities or you're gonna keep the foot on the throat and go and push for the, the series whitewash?
1: Uh no.
12: Nah, we're just trying to pick our best team that we think can win every time. I think mean, test cricket's that good the game, right? Um so you just or well, you just try and you should talk I mean, to obviously Fozzie. we want to win, but for us it's just... It's, <laughs> for us, we're trying to put out our best team every time and we think we're capable of winning. And then um, you know, then we, we almost take winning, winning off the table and say, right, let's just go and do our thing. And if that ends up in winning, sweet adds. if it ends up in losing because they're better, well, it's OK too. We crack on, shake hands, and, and then uh, we'll move on to our next go. So that'll be our approach and we'll see what unfolds. But uh, it should be exciting anyway. Whatever happens... We've had a great tour, we've had a great time, and um, we've created some memories that all the guys here will remember forever.
11: Beautiful, Bears. We appreciate you coming on the show, mate. You're an absolute champion. I can't believe it, but you've got many supporters in New Zealand looking forward to the England Ashes series. It's going to be an absolute doozy. We can't wait. We can't wait to have you home, brother. Take care and all the best for the next game.
12: Yeah, cheers, boys. Great to speak to you.
0: Yeah, Izzy and Kempi talking to uh, Brandon McCullum, the England Red Bull coach, the test coach. They did would go on to clean sweep. Uh, th- Pakistan and their next assignment, Saturday the 28th of January, uh, one day the first of three one day internationals against the Proteus in South Africa uh, Bloemfontein on the 28th of January they go back to back the second on the 29th of January at Bloemfontein and then they have a little bit of a break And the third one day, it's a day nighter in Kimberley, actually the first one's a day nighter as well, At uh, it's the 2nd of Feb and then they come to New Zealand for two tests, so the first test Thursday the 16th of February and the second one and that one will be at Mount Ma- Monganui. and the second test on February the 24th at the Basin Reserve in Wellington so uh, Brendan McCullum can bring the style of cricket he's being touted and he hates calling it baseball. and we'll see how the Black Caps go against England. So pretty exciting times for him. It's 11.38 this is the Saturday session the Christmas edition with Stephen McIver uh, Coming shortly will remind you of what a golden Commonwealth Games it was for New Zealand. 11.42 with Stephen McIver and Robbie McFarlane. Uh, Robbie we're going to play some highlights of the Commonwealth Games or the gold medals and there were plenty of them in 2022. If you have a v- Good memory, and I think you did because you threw out that ridiculous uh, stat of Brendan McCombs' first was it 153 off what
2: 158 off 73. It was uh, yeah April 2008. It was on my uh, on my VCR recorded. I always Your used what? to watch it back.
0: Your VCR, what's <laughs> that? And I and exactly. I can say that exactly. What, what's a VCR? Hey, I grew up in black and white television. You wouldn't even know what that is. Uh, if you have, if you had a memory of the Commonwealth Games. Does anyone any stick out? Because it just seems like yesterday, but it's sort of you know you have to really think hard. Anything?
2: Yeah, there were there were there were a lot of a lot of good moments. Eh? Like oh, just, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, there a lot of good
0: just, moments, but I just can't think of one right now. Can't think of one right now. Um, but Paul hey, Cole getting gold and, and
2: yeah, you know, no, that, no, friend no, that, of the show. That was really good, actually. Um, Uh, I love watching the athletics, Um, so Hamish Kerr winning gold in the high jump was uh, big for me. I'm a big fan of
0: uh, cycling, track cycling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've had had
2: the fortunate experience of being
0: in the Olympic Games in London and being in the velodrome when England, or as they were Great Britain at the time, uh, because that's what you do in uh, an Olympics, smashing everyone. Unbelievable. Anyway, and the cyclists had a good time too at Birmingham. Here are... The golden moments of Birmingham 2022.
13: 4,000 metres and they have won the team pursuit in great style. It's a gold medal match then in the women's
10: sprint forwards. And it could be a gold medal for New Zealand. Yes, it is.
3: As you can see, the blanket chasing down Pascal.
13: But they're not going to catch it. She dominated that race from the off
10: she she's going out super fast again. But she
13: pushes the line, and the uh, Commonwealth Games record might just keep broken again. 3.19 2 sets the time to beat, and she beats it again! Aaron Gates rode it to perfection. A beautiful performance, a beautifully paced individual pursuit. Elise Andrews taking him right on the track, that's a good move. But Andrews coming alongside her. Mitchell's right on the pressure again, and we know how fast Andrews could finish. It? That's the goal! Medal from New Zealand! Elise Andrews lights up Birmingham 2022 in the women's sprint. Lewis now starting to take the race away just a little bit from Brandon Smith. This will be New Zealand's goal. Claire Beck will touch first. Here comes Corbett Strong. Chris Williams, double Strong gets the gold medal. The New Zealanders closing right on the touch. He gets it. He gets it on the touch. What a finish that was from Josh Wilmer. Now you can see Leclo being caught by Clareburn. This is it's going to be Lewis clever there's a JBL, it is! Lewis Klerber gets it ahead of LeClo. The Wellington for Kiwi has done it again. And Alan Gates cruises over the line to take gold. And in terms of the reaction times, great start from Andrew Jeffco. It's going to be the New Zealander leader who gets there. It is another goal for New Zealand. Elise Andrews up on the outside Sophie Capel on her wheel Canuken still battling on They sprint for the line Capel throws
10: the bike But Elise Andrews holds on To take another gold medal for New Zealand Sam goes into the Finishing straight He's going to take this gold medal for New Zealand What a proud day for the Kiwis
13: Yes, Hamish Great right job Hamish Kerr will win the Commonwealth Games title. Oh, he's made the error, he's made the error. He's the first Kiwi male ever to win a gold medal in the singles, making history. Oh, he saved his best to last, Top Walsh is a double gold medalist at the Commonwealth Games. Trying to push for the line, Aaron gate down the middle, Gate to the front got the goal. Oh she's made the error. The Kiwis have done it. Gladys Murphy coming in on request from Joelle King after retirement to play in the doubles and she's delivered. Joelle King has got a second gold medal.
0: It was a stunning Birmingham 2022, the Commonwealth Games, 14 New Zealand, 49 medals, 20 gold medals, 12 silver and 17 bronze. The cyclists leading the way with 13 medals, Aaron Gaten and Les Andrews stand out there winning four and three golds respectively. 1151 time to have a little bit of fun Sammy Hewitt is the producer of afternoons with Staffy he's put together a 90 minute bloop a 90 minute blooper reel which you get on the podcast the afternoons with Staffy
2: now Robbie's been trawling through them uh, do you want to you want to have some fun with this one yeah no it sounds good I've, I've, I've put together I've, I've clipped them off and uh, once again full credit to Sammy Hewitt I can't you gave out the full credit wow how about that full credit I know um, I can't even imagine how how much uh, time this would have taken um, but yeah we're, we're just we're just here to play play some clips. I've, I've given you a list, Stephen. Okay, um, so let's, and, let's let's just yeah, start we'll, with Ricardo. Ricardo? Alright. Yeah,
14: okay. Another person who struggled with names this year, and I think you can probably forgive him given the difficulty of the name, um, is Ricardo Ball who tried his very best to shed light on the current situation of a particular former All Black.
0: Um, now, Carl is off overseas. Carl Yaki. Uh, <laughs>
14: <laughs> and again, two minutes later. Carl to, uh, Fuyaki <laughs> I think it's two different pronunciations altogether. It was completely...
0: completely. Well done, Ricardo. Just have a little bit of fun. Don't get cranky. Um, Staff's mystery noise. What's this one?
14: One of the highlights um, of the FME staff was when uh, you got to chat to legendary All Blacks Lockie and Carmo Jones, an absolute icon of the game, a man with bravado, prestige. Oh, no. I think you might have been quite nervous that day, actually. Can you guess why uh, I might think that?
4: I have no idea
2: what's coming.
14: Um, I'll let the people know, while interviewing the great Ian Camo jones staff produced a sound that to this day, oh, no. no matter how hard anyone in this office tries, cannot be replicated. <laughs> it physically cannot be done. How this noise was made, we will never know, but take a listen.
1: To me, that was still our number one and two.
14: Final question, talking to
4: Ian Jones. Um, I'm going to stick with the retellic white lock thing.
14: What on earth was that? One more time. <laughs> I, I still don't know how you did that. So I don't even think you know how you did that. Like, I can't do. It. No one can go that high. That's <laughs> it's, it's a mouse squeak. It's a mouse squeak. That's my chair. Oh. <laughs> that, I, don't,
2: I don't think we should even try a recreate no, that. That's, no, that's
0: brilliant. All right, uh, one more before we uh, get to the head towards the top of the hour. Uh, Watto, who does extra time, and <laughs> have a listen to this. one. this will be fun. You know when
14: you get really passionate and fired up about something Mm. and you just get sucked into any little debate or argument around it and you can't stop. That fire in your belly wells up and and you're just overflowing with opinion. Um, Well, I'd argue that there's nothing worse in that moment than being interrupted in the middle of your rant. Um, You're trying to get your point across in the most succinct and convincing way and someone or something just completely cuts you off. Well, imagine how Mark Watson feels when in the midst of a passionate rant about the All Blacks on extra time this happens well when you start accepting All Black losses you compromise the
0: All Black brand we've got a brand around the world that says we're about performance precision and no compromise we've never had we've never huh? ever had sorry that's just my mum phoning the programme making sure that I'm slowing down when I'm speaking um
14: <laughs> now I've just lost my train of thought as you would as you would as you would as you would. It's understandable <laughs> That's brilliant.
0: Actually I had a little moment yesterday too I was to a guy ringing me and I I hit I hit, the, I hit. Uh, yes, rather than no, and I get this. I get this. This text just with the, the emoji of funny face saying, "Oh, thanks." What well, can you put me on the radio? I'm go. Oh, please! It is one of those fun times. Uh, some more bloopers coming your way before one o'clock on this Christmas Eve edition of the Saturday session with Stephen McIver and Robbie McFarlane coming your way after midday. We'll end the year on a high with the Black Ferns. You'll hear highlights of their campaign and a chat I had with their co-captain Uruhe Dumont. So stay with us. This is the Saturday. session Session. Christmas Eve as we just crossed midday. It's Stephen McIver and Robert McFarlane taking you through to Christmas on this Christmas Eve edition of the Saturday session. And coming between now and 1 o'clock, you'll hear highlights of the Black Ferns World Championship campaign here in New Zealand Also from their co-skipper Ruhe Damon. and also A chat I had with Glenn Ashby Prior to Horonuku Emirates Team New Zealand's land speed yacht uh, Breaking and setting Should I say a new world record That's coming your way before 1 o'clock Today but why don't we end this sort of uh, year on a high? And it, it captured the imagination of many, many non-sporting fans as well. And that was the Women's Rugby World Cup here in our own backyard. And it was an absolute cracker for the Black Ferns.
10: Arabella McKenzie to the roar of the Eden Park crowd. And it's brought down straight away by Sarah Hiddany. Connor, still short. Love some trouble on the right, but New Zealand have gone over. Try, give him! Tony for Hose, and now Woodman. Woodman gonna take them on in the corner. Woodman crosses over. Advantage for New Zealand. Nan Wu has Woodman. Woodman taking it upon herself. Woodman goes over the line. Again, just short New Zealand. They go once more. Tanjin no, White home. New Zealand crash over, and they go in front. Dement, Duplessis and Flula. Flula looking for a runners, doesn't need them. Flula, is Flula going to go herself? Flips it for Woodman in the corner. And Wanda Woodman has a hat-trick. New Zealand come away to the right, and Tui for the corner. She's green provider, and now she's the scorer. Ruby Tui in the corner for New Zealand nicely done, under pressure as Tui goes through the Australian defence, takes on the line and Ruby Tui's solo effort is calmed. Up in the line is Woodman coming over from the wing and look at her go, Woodman, great tackle around the bootlaces, Joyce but the offload is good for Brunt, and then ranging wide is Alana Bremner, she's got plenty of speed, the blindside flanker, the offload is brilliant for Brunt. Here's Brunt once more, wide for Woodman. Woodman and Joyce come together again this time. Woodman gets the better of her and the rest of the Welsh defence. Skipping through tackles, bumping off bodies. Portia Woodman's unstoppable. Playing into a wind in this half and there's a hole for Fitzpatrick. The offload and the hands from Demand. Looking for the player on the outside. It's Wycliffe down the right, back and field for Demand. She's got Tui, Tui's got Brunt. New Zealand goal 80 and it's brilliant. Tubic with a crossfield kick for Woodman. Lands right in the hand. Steps out of one. Steps away from a second. And the offload. The pass for Tui on the outside. Grandstand finish for New Zealand. Just four metres short now New Zealand. Forwards. The tight forwards. With a little bit of interplay. edge, It's nice and quick for New Zealand. Off it's Patrick. Gee, that is clever. What a ball. And Woodman with the finish. Crossfield kick comes from Demand. It's gone probably a little bit backwards but it takes lands nicely for woodman off over to it it's open to ezbert in the corner tui to try demand demand and creating for woodman a beautifully worked well move. woodman in full flight brilliant tackle Joyce. oh just slips out of it with the pace and power does woodman and new zealand are just a handful of meters short Premner alana almost on the end of the chain just short once more Coxage again, the ball is quick for Amy Rule, and Amy Rule gets her first ever try for the Blackburns. Now an advantage being played New Zealand's way, oh it's a good ball from McKelly too, Demand and then Fitzpatrick over the top for Flewler, and Woodman again, Portia Woodman for the Rugby World Cup, try scoring record, strikes once more they'll get the free kick and away they go and off they go to the left and that big wide ball for Flula, Flula in the corner, the smiling assassin strikes, combs into the line, the Kiwi fullback again goes hard into the ground for Tui and Flula to chase, Tui bearing down on blood, oh there's a juggle and Tui's in for New Zealand, four metres short, three metres short, two metres short, New Zealand funnel it back Fitzpatrick on the angle, Fitzpatrick crashes over, and Teresa Fitzpatrick put New Zealand in front for the first time. Caroline Girard, she's pushed it wide. And he says get rid of it. And New Zealand are going to the World Cup Final. play, 60 minutes in his final with 14. New Zealand looking for first points, and they've scored them! It's Georgia Ponsonby! Fitzpatrick. Demand on the wraparound Holmes, There's space here, remember. England short. Ayusha let's see, in and away, and over! Set the drive, roared on. It's Ponsonby in the back, clinging on. New Zealand regroup. It's funnelled back to Bremna. Chelsea Amy Rule has got it there, and Amy Rule goes over for New Zealand. And some space for New Zealand wide here. Flula, oh, what a show and a go from Flula. Holmes in the middle. Holmes looking for support, taking on Kildan. Back to Flula. New Zealand strike from the end of the world. What a try to start the second half. Charges up six metres short. New Zealand working the short side numbers for Murray in the corner. Crystal Murray, a This one might sit up with Stacey Fowler. Just short. Let's it. It crashes over. And New Zealand go back in front with nine minutes to play. It's on New Zealand's side. England couldn't control it. And in your life have you?
0: champions! is rookie Swinnell doing a five-star job. Uh, our highlights of the Black Ferns World Cup winning championship campaign. And when she said the depths of despair, she was referring to four losses against England and France in October of November of 2021, bouncing back for a record of 12 straight wins in 2022. And one of the reasons for that is the leadership group and the coaching staff. And you'll find out more in just a moment when we talk to co-captain Ruahe Demont here on this Christmas Eve edition of the Saturday session. 12 minutes past 12. How about that in the 12th month? Oh, okay. just. I thought I'd throw that one in, Robbie. Thanks for that. Uh, this is the Saturday Session with Stephen McIver and Robbie McFarlane. The year, it is has to be said, finished with one of the most feel-good world championship wins ever with the Black Ferns beating the dominant team in women's rugby England at Eden Park in that magnificent final. And I had the good fortune to talk to their co-skipper uh, Ruahe Dumont earlier this week it is it. let me just read this out New Zealand Rugby Player of the Year like Rugby Player of the Year Black Ferns Player of the Year Māori Player of the Year World Rugby Women's Player of the Year oh and just let's just throw in World Champion as well not bad Ruahe Demont, huh Oh, bad, yeah <laughs> you were either listening or taken aback by all those tags,
8: <laughs> yeah, this sounds a bit overwhelming when you say them all out like that
0: <laughs> a- have you have you had a chance to sit back and think about twenty twenty two and 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 what it has meant to you and the impact it's had on you and those around you?
8: yeah, I think like coming into the end of the year now, it's like only natural to reflect on on the year and um the the crazy ride it's been, especially for myself and our team. Um, and, you know, like especially from the start of the year to where we were and then where we are now, I never ever would have thought any of this would have happened.
0: I love, Ruahe, how you say our team, not my team. I mean, you're co-captain, right? Yeah. I, I read an interesting article. It said when, I think it was the professor, Wayne Smith, suggested captaincy, mm. captaincy to you. You were a bit taken back. Did you not think at the time that you were captaincy material?
8: Not really. Um, I remember when they told me that I was captain and um, we were all sitting in the room and we were talking about um, selection, is what the, what the meeting was about. And it was our it was selection regarding our first tour, which was our Pac-4 tour that was in June. And then they started talking about leadership, and I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'm going to be in the leadership group, mm-hmm. why they're talking about this. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, they, they said, so, yeah, we want you to be the, the captain, and I was I was really taken back, and I didn't expect it at all. I thought that they were joking, to be honest. Um, I never, ever thought that I could captain a team like the Blackbirds. Um And then to to have the honour to ring Kennedy and ask her if she wanted to co-captain the team, and then to to go and, you know, lead the team alongside her throughout a home World Cup, um, was such a crazy ride, and I really couldn't have done it without her.
0: Okay, so why did you not think you were captaincy material?
8: I just never really thought of myself as the captain of the team. I, I don't think anyone really does when you're in, like, a team sport, you know, like, um, you just, you know, do your role for the team, make sure that you nail your core role, do your job. Um, and I had been captain by great leaders. Um, my first captain when I made the team was Phil Mosilli, who I also had played alongside and played under, um, in Auckland for the Auckland Storm and Feehold held a huge amount of mana and respect. And then after fee, I was captained by Les and um, my good friend Eloise for um, a short time as well. And again, there were two people that were one, a lot older in age and had a huge amount of experience and money and respect. And I just didn't really see myself as um, someone who was kind of like in the same calibre as those players.
0: Okay, so now how do you feel about yourself as a captain?
8: I just think I'm the same person I was. (laughs) I'd like to think I'm the same person I was. Um, then you know, before I was named captain, um, I was really fortunate that when I was named captain, we had I had a really great um, leadership team around me. But um, I also got to work alongside Ellen Bunting, um, who was mm. the coach of the other of New Zealand women's sevens team for a really long time, and um, was not single-handedly responsible, but played a massive part in developing a people-first culture. Yes, um, I. I'd seen the the work that he had done with a lot of those players, and um, for anyone who's been involved in high high performance sports, um, you know, I think sometimes it's really easy to to say yes to your coaches all the time. But I had seen the amount of respect he had for his players, and how the Seven Skills could have honest conversations with him, and found it very easy to say no to him, which isn't a which isn't a common thing. And I thought, geez, this guy, you know. Yeah is different, and he he helped
0: develop us as leaders. Yeah, I wonder, whether was there any personality issues that you might have thought about? Not having problems with individuals, but going, heck, if I'm a leader now, maybe I'm not going to be able to have those same relationships with the players that I had when I wasn't a captain. Um,
8: It's really funny you say that, actually. When I was um, named captain... um, before everyone found out, I received a phone call from um, from Liz, from Liz Alda, who I had been captain under for quite a number of years in the in the Black Ferns, and she she congratulated me and we had a all And she only gave me one piece of advice, and she said it was advice that she wished that she had known when she first became captain, and that was um, you've been you've been named captain, you've been selected captain for a reason. And you might think that you need to do something else, but you don't need to change anything, just be yourself. And I held on to that advice, and I tried not to change too much. Um, I knew that from being captain by the likes of her and Fiao and Ella, that within our team, players responded to um, actions instead of words. And I knew that if I could do my best to be as fit as possible, um, be on the field and lead by example, then the girls would follow. And they did. And they were, such, they were such an easy team to captain because everyone was so self-sufficient and had you know that real sense of responsibility and accountability towards themselves and each other.
0: So, so the enormity of what you were doing as the tournament uh, ground on to its obvious conclusion... Uh, didn't weigh you down at any point?
8: As a captain?
0: As a captain.
8: Not really. Um, no, not I really,
0: mean, not really. Hang on, hang on.
8: So, like, there's so much that, I mean, like, you know, there's so much as a as a player that you can try and do, but if you really think about it, a lot of that stuff is actually out of your control. And so I really tried to focus on doing the things that I could control really, really well. And... Um, place that responsibility back on the players because there's no, you know, you don't want to finger point and blame. Yeah. And we were, we didn't have that type of culture in our team. If, if we weren't all on the same page, then we tried our best to make sure that we were and help each other. Um, and that's why it was so great to have such a, to have a leadership group with a wide range of personalities and strengths. So if one person was better Skilled at dealing with, you know, a situation, then that person could lead
0: the way in that area. Um, yeah. It's a one, It's a wonderful line being able to con- control the controllables. One thing you couldn't control was the fact that you had a new coach and a director and the, yeah. the man they called the professor, Wayne Smith. Now, we know what has gone on. We know that the Blackburns went out and won the World Cup against many would say all odds, considering what had happened in the previous year. But I'd like to know from you, how large, how huge was the change that he brought to the Black Ferns?
8: Yeah, well, for anyone who knows Wayne Smith, um, you know, as a player, as a coach, the different teams that he's coached will know that he never does anything um, by the book. He's a game changer. He, when he came and introduced himself to us, um, one of the first things he said was he's never followed the herd. And that's exactly what he did. And so everything that we did, most of it was different. Even though it was very similar, the way that you had to think about it and there were very small bits of detail in there that made it very different. And it was not only a different style of play, but it was a different way of thinking about the game. And that's what was challenging for a lot of players because they never thought about rugby like that. But that's what made it so exciting.
0: When you think about what he has just said to you, thinking about the game, what were the key takeaways for you? Going, oh, hang on a minute, this is a direction. What were the, what were the big takeaways for you on that one?
8: Jeez. honestly, there were so many. I can't, <laughs> I can't think of just like a real critical few because there were so many. But they were so simple, and that's that. I think if I had to summarize all of them, that's probably the biggest thing that I have taken away is that. You don't have to be fancy. It's very, very simple. You know, like um, he simplified a lot of...
0: I, I know I, I know what you're saying. The, there is a rugby league coach by the name of Wayne Bennett, you would know, right? The master, mm, they call him. Yeah. And he is of this... I, I get the impression from what you are saying, Ruhe. He is of the same mindset. Actually, the game is quite simple. Just play what's in front of you.
8: It's pretty much, yes. Yeah that's pretty much it, <laughs> pretty and, mu- and pretty much it. yeah and um, he called it you know a lot of people thought that we were playing flair, and we called it backyard footy but it was it was just hard work camouflaged as it that, and that's absolutely right he like, had to be really really fit to play his style of game um, and he, you had to play to the strengths of each individual so learning um, what each player can and, and can't do um, was really integral as well to, you know, to add that little bit of X factor.
0: Without naming names, were there players that were basically given a shock with this change style of approach?
8: Oh, I would say everyone. I remember the very, very first training that we had with Smithy, and it was one of the worst trainings I've ever been to because everyone was so shocked. And quiet and on edge because we didn't know what to expect. It was honestly one of the worst trainings we've ever had, ever in my entire time. And then the next training was, you know, everyone bought the A game after that, but I'm pretty sure Smithy was probably shaking his head, wondering what the hell he's gotten himself into
0: yet he said in an and we indi-
8: laugh about it now. <laughs> yeah,
0: of course, of course he did but but yet he said somewhere uh, during the time that working with your group of the, of the Black Ferns reinvigorated his love for rugby. So from where you stand or where you're sitting right now, what do you think you gave him?
8: Um what, what do I think our team gave him? Yeah. <laughs> I know we gave him a couple of heart attacks right there at the end of the tournament. Um, I'd like to think that um, he had a lot of fun. He had a lot of fun with our team. Um, I know that for us. like he, he changed the way that we think about rugby and play rugby. And a lot of the girls said that this was their favourite season of rugby ever. And I hope that um, the memories that Smithy was able to create with us, um, he'll remember for a lifetime, and I know that he, he has said that, and he's a man of his word, and he's very honest. So, um, while it was, you know, a challenging ride, I know that he was so proud um, of, of what the girls did.
9: Do you, so do, you know th- do, you, do
0: you think you took him out of his comfort zone? Because the overriding impression... Yes. The oh, okay, so uh, <laughs> give, give me. Yes, I
8: know that we do.
0: <laughs> give me an example, then. <laughs>
8: oh, one, you know, like um, Smithy Smithy worked with um women's rugby in the Blackburns um years and years ago, and um, one of the trophies that we played for was the Laurie O'Reilly Cup between yep. New Zealand and Australia, and Laurie was one of his great friends. That's right. And um, so he was involved with the team back in I think the maybe the eighties or the nineties for a small time and then he was with men so when he came back to women um there were a few key differences that he had noticed and he just couldn't get his head around them and one of them was um um like we played we played really loud music on the bus before the games. Um, we liked playing music in the sheds, and um he wasn't too sure if that was the right thing and he, and he didn't really like it at first that was one way that we made him uncomfortable we had a lot of dancing, a lot of um, fun and singing. It, that was a bit different for him. He initially didn't like that at first either. Um, those are the things that just like immediately come to my mind about him being uncomfortable.
0: But but he he quickly recognised those uh, those two things that you've mentioned were part of who you were, and that was the the trick to making it all work, right?
8: Yes, yes, it was. He, um, I remember one time we had it was right at the start, where one of our first games. He asked if we needed to do like a reset after our haka um, before we went on and played. And um, we asked the team and everyone said no, that they actually felt the complete opposite. And so that was interesting as well, you know, seeing like different things like that, um, the way that the girls or the team thought about and felt about, you know, different things. Um, The team actually wanted to stay on that high after the haka and, and, felt like the the mana and the he that could be transferred into the game so that actually became like really important for us
0: what is your overriding memory of the world cup
8: my overriding memory of the yeah the
0: world the, cup. The, the, the one memory that will stick with you forever and a day whether it be the final whistle whether it be holding the trophy or, or something that people may not guess
8: it was a pretty long tournament. we were together for two months so to think of one overriding memory is going to be tough like obviously there's the the last moments of that French game that'll stick with me forever one that'll stick with me forever is also um, right at the end of that England game before that line out I actually got a penalty and I don't know why one of the girls called to tap it and I did and I'll remember that forever and that's not a good thing but I'll learn from it
0: (laughs) It's not bad <laughs> from a little girl. Now, Emma, correct me if I'm wrong, Umayo? Yeah, I'm from Umayo. Yeah, Umayo on the Bay of Plenty. Did you ever think in your wildest dreams, when I I read down the plaudits that you've received this year and you captained your country to a World Cup win, did you ever think as a little girl that would be something you'd ever do? Oh, never, never. I
8: didn't even think that this year. I never even thought that 12 months ago, so I never thought that this would happen ever. My... My one goal was I just really wanted to try and make the team, and I knew it would be hard, but I never thought anything else would happen.
0: Ruahe, we live in a country all about tall poppies, and I don't like it, and we don't like to talk about ourselves a lot, but I want an honest answer. How proud, yeah. are, how proud are you of Ruahe de Mont?
8: Yeah, I'm pretty proud. yes, yeah.
0: Pretty proud. Humble as ever, right? Yeah.
11: <laughs> yeah. And
8: and
0: so and so, what's next? Another year as a contracted player? Are you con- going to continue doing uh, voluntary law because I know you're a lawyer and all that?
8: Yeah, um, I don't know if I'll do the voluntary law out <laughs> at the community law centre, okay. um, which was which was really enjoyable. Um, but I'm definitely still doing that, and um, just wanting to have a break at the first at. at at the moment, though, um, I'm really, really passionate about not only being a rugby player but also pursuing interests outside of footy. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the history of injuries that I've had, um, just you know, you just never know what's going to happen. So, um, I'm look- I'm really looking forward to hopefully working with Kingsley and Swan, one of the firms up in Auckland next year.
0: Actually, I should have asked you this right in the middle of the interview because I'm almost at the end, but I have to ask you one question, and please bear with me. You suffered a number of knee reconstructions. Just quickly, how debilitating is that mentally to suffer watching other players do what you want to do?
8: Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, It wasn't too bad The the first two surgeries. My last one, though... Um, I found that really, really mentally tough to try and get through for the exact reasons that you've just said. It was really challenging for me um, to go through the difficulties of um, a rehab that wasn't smooth at all, while at the same time, um, you know, trying to support my friends and my teammates who were doing these. Great things on the field, knowing that I couldn't be out there with them or even have the opportunity to try and get out there with them. Um, it was really, really tough. And I wish that a lot of the support systems that are in place now were in place back then. But it's so cool to see how far um, not just rugby but sport has come in terms of like um, mental wellness and well being. It's um, cool to see all of those resources available now for not just professional players, but also amateur players.
0: Rua Heitamont, I have thoroughly enjoyed having a chat with you, and I appreciate you giving us the time before Christmas. Uh, Go and have a wonderful Christmas in an off-season. And all I can say, from what you and the Black Ferns have provided New Zealand for those moments, thanks for the memories. Happy Christmas.
8: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you this afternoon. 12.35
0: on this Christmas Eve edition of the Saturday Session with Stephen McIver and Robbie McFarlane. Thank you, James, for wishing us a Merry Christmas. And also to Jared, who said, uh, what a great interview with our Blackbird Captains. Yep. Total respect on that one too, Jared. Uh, a stunning woman and an even uh, a, just an immaculate ambassador uh, for women's sport as well. All righty, just a reminder that tomorrow is Christmas Day, but SENZ doesn't stop. We've got special Christmas editions of our shows. It's Ian Kempe, Smithy, Staffy, Kirsten Beeve, the, the Saturday Session, and of course the Good Oil, which is following this edition of the Saturday Session. So uh, SENZ, just think about this. Even on Christmas Day, we're going to make sure that we look after you. Earlier this month, Emirates Team New Zealand attempted to set a new land speed record wind-powered with their land yacht Horonuku. They did just that, but prior to it I spoke to the pilot, Glenn Ashby.
7: It it is it. There.
0: there is one uh, speed that... Uh, Emirates Team New Zealand and their land yacht Horonuku want to attain, that's the world land speed record, and they're going to do that uh, pretty soon too, somewhere in Australia. Their pilot is three-time America's Cup champion. He's got gosh, he's got, well I was looking at the 17 world championships in four different classes uh, on the water. He's a silver medalist at the Olympics, and uh, Glenn Ashby joins us right now. G'day Glenn, thanks for joining us.
15: Oh, g'day Stephen, g'day Greg. How are you going?
0: Mate, Very well. mate we are good. Uh, i got to ask this question. Where did the idea in between cups of trying to get the land yacht world record come from?
1: <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it, to be
15: honest, it's been a bit of a pipe dream of mine for a really, really long time, since I was sort of seven or eight years old. Um, yeah, always sort of wanting to, to, to go fast on the water, but in particularly on, on land. So um, growing up in central Victoria, we we've sort of run out of water at the end of the summer and um, yeah, we'd end up sort of bolting some sails and bits and pieces onto old trolleys and billy carts and things like that and sort of roll around the, uh, the countryside and around the local yacht club. And um, yeah, ever since then, really, it's been a, been a dream to, uh, to sort of take it on. So that's where it sort of came from.
4: Mate, I love the fact that, um, you know, this is using the the technology, innovation, the people, um, in between America's Cups, uh, for the water to to look at something new, something out of the box. And I, I, from what I read, you know, you, um, you threw this in front of um, adults and and said, "Hey, you know, here's an opportunity. This is something you know we can we can do here, and we've got the ability, the skill set to do it." And 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 then you jumped at it. I mean, it's uh, what a, what an amazing position to be in, an opportunity to be able to to put something like this together with with all the right people, with the right understanding.
15: Yeah, look, a- a- absolutely, yeah. Look, Daltz Dalt is a, obviously a bit of a, a petrol head as well, I guess pretty similar to to myself and certainly you guys. And I think that, um, you know, the, the opportunity to, to take it on, um, you know, has been great. And I think to sort of have some continuity for, for a lot of the guys in the team, you know, the shore team, the boat building guys and, and quite a few of the design guys as well um, it's been great you know we've sort of funded it externally outside the, the team and, and brought some resource and, and some new people into the team and certainly it's been great for sort of relationship building and, and you know sort of learning some new skills and, and bringing in other people from other other um, departments and, and other places around New Zealand so it, it's had some great buy-in it's, it's honestly surprised me how, uh, how much buy-in it has had throughout the country and also the interest that it's had around the world so uh, it's going really well
4: so tell me um how do, do you do you think you guys are going to uh learn things from doing this project that are going to support and help um when you go back to putting putting the racing on the water
15: yeah, look, there's, there's certainly
4: some aspects of it that have been really, really good. And
15: I, I think, to be honest, it's, it's sort of more the personal journey um, and the relationship building with other, you know, other companies around New Zealand that, that all will be able to sort of feed into the, um, you know, into the America's Cup program as it goes forward. So the utilisation, for example, of sort of different and uh, new machine shops, um, you know, different sort of suppliers and of equipment and bits and pieces, I think that's probably... Um, as as important as any sort of design aspect of the the craft moving forward. obviously for us, you know, using wheels instead of foils is, um, is very unique and new to us. And we're all, you know, very green as far as, you know, learning you know, about tyres and suspension and that sort of thing. But, you know, we're, we're quick learners and um, it's been a fantastic challenge and to sort of take the skill sets of flying, sailing, sort of motorsport and roll it all in one is, uh, is a fantastic challenge and something that's kept us really, really on our toes. It's been great so far.
0: How bespoke are the wheels to get it right
15: yeah look nothing nothing sort of super crazy with the wheels to be honest we we we've actually machined our own front wheel and pod wheel um, the side pod wheel which is the front wheel is is quite bespoke in some ways but simple in others we've we've had to run a huge offset on the front wheel to actually fit the steering mechanism um, and all the suspension sort of inside the actual rim itself. So we want to be as absolutely as sort of narrow as we can possibly be and as low profile as we can to reduce the frontal area of the craft. So that wheel is, um, you know, we're running sort of a 15-inch wheel there. At the moment, we'll possibly go up to a 16, and we're certainly exploring different tyre profiles and opportunities there but we're actually running a set of um, 18 inch twin inline 18 inch um, rims in the rear we've got some seven inch wide ones and some nine inch wide ones where we're trialing a whole lot of different tyres and running through slicks different sort of options also some uh, land speed tyres as well on the back and yeah so we're we're learning a lot Um, until we actually get to the salt at Lake Gairdner it's really really hard to know exactly what the grip coefficient will actually be on the salt um, we're basically in a unique situation where we're actually got a huge amount of side force on the tires but we're not putting any power through the wheels so it's it's a really different program to what normally would happen on the salt where the vehicles or the bikes would be putting a lot of power through at least two of the wheels and um, in, in a car, for example, we're actually not putting any power through them. So it's quite a unique situation for us where they're st- trying to stop sliding sideways but have good rolling resistance as we go forwards.
4: So with, with what you've done so far, the um, small amount of initial running on the, uh, the airstrip, the information you've gathered in bits and pieces, you know how, how confident then are you that you have got what you need to to break this um, this record from was it two thousand and eight or nine two thousand and nine?
15: Yeah, look, it's
4: a it's a great question. I mean, we're we're extremely confident. You know
15: that that we'll, we'll get there eventually, and and ideally we'll do it. You know, sooner rather than later. I've, I've got every confident uh, confidence in the craft that the craft will absolutely be able to do it mother nature absolutely has to play her part in in whether we can do it or not it's um not only do we need sort of the right wind around sort of 30 knots of of wind um we also need the salt to be in really really good condition and at the moment there's a tiny little bit of water actually in lake air through uh some earlier rain that we had over summer which was quite abnormal but um as that lake dries out we'll sort of get a pretty good feel of what it's like there and um, once we get out there and and really get into it, I think we'll get a really good feel pretty early on of of how things are going to set up. Um, we need about seven kilometres to get up to speed, so it's it's quite a big distance wow. to get up to speed from a standing start.
0: Cripes, how big is this Lake <laughs> Uh
15: It's pretty big. It's uh, it's about 150 kilometres long and about 45 kilometres wide, <laughs> and hey, there's a bit of room there. <laughs> Bit of room, yeah, but we only use about sort of 17 kilometres by about eight and a half kilometres is sort of the area we need, but we really just need about an eight kilometre sort of circle, if you like, and um, depending on which way the wind's blowing sort of dictates what angle, you know, we'll we'll do across the salt, so we're we're running basically just behind 90 degrees, the wind's just behind 90 degrees to the craft is sort of the, the angle that we need to run, and... Yeah, it takes us about seven kilometers we think with all the modeling that we've done and simulated use to uh, to sort of get up to our uh, our maximum speed so um, can't wait to get there to be honest after uh, being on the, on the runway and having to sort of pull up you know use the brakes uh, before going through the end of the uh, end of the fence at the end of final so, <laughs> <Yeah. the way. laughs> so a couple
0: of a couple of final thoughts um, a when are, when does the attempt take place and b how many runs do you have to do to uh, get the record if you exceed the the current record
15: yeah so the um, the actual record itself um, with a, a wind powered craft on land um, is actually, uh, the top three-second average speed that you can get to, that basically ratifies the record. So you could sail for two minutes and, and get your three seconds in there, or you could sail for two hours and get your three seconds in that two-hour block. Oh, wow. So it's basically just trying to achieve that that top three-second average speed. So predominantly you'd sail for sort of, you know, Two or three minutes to um, to try and sort of get a good run in, and it's really dictated by you know getting the right weather and the right window. um, Making the stars align is really how to do that. We're hoping to get across there. Um, mid-July and be sort of set up and, and rolling by, uh, by sort of late July, early August. So giving ourselves about a six-week window at this stage just to uh, to try and get everything together. And hopefully we'll get a weather window in there to sort of see how we go.
0: Sounds fascinating, mate. Cannot, cannot yeah, wait to right. see this thing unfold. Uh, best hey, hey,
4: Glenn, one question, just um, last question. Uh, Stephen, Stephen's always talking about the fact that I never let him drive anything um it's like it's a (laughs) real thing because I just I you know it terrifies me um when he's driving but um he he did want me to ask you if there was any chance that he could have a crack at it you know because it looks really simple he said it looks really easy (laughs) <laughs> Mate, absolutely. Come over and uh, and, and
15: fill your boots. If um, if you can fit into the cockpit, you're more than welcome to have a go.
0: Uh, hey, I don't, hey I don't, uh, you didn't have to throw if you can fit in the cockpit, Glenn. Okay, I appreciate that one. Mate, the best of luck. It's really exciting. Oh, Ho- Horonuku Horenuk, yeah. looks magical. So go get him, stay safe, and we, we'll we keep our eye on you.
15: Good on you. really appreciate it, guys. Thanks very much.
0: So that was uh, earlier in the year, much earlier in the year, uh, with race control myself and Greg Murphy, and they did achieve that record on the 11th of December at Lake Gann, at the big Salt Lake in South Australia. The new official world land speed record, wind-powered land speed record, is 222.43 kilometers an hour. It? it has been ratified. 222.43 k's. He said to me in an interview uh, a little later in the year, they reckon they could do 250. How good's that? Let's so... Go do we have a little break here?
2: We are not going to have a break here. No, had a little we're break g- here. We're going to do some bloopers. I got a little bit excited. Okay, okay. So fire up, fire up some bloopers. Let's 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 finish the day with some fun. All right, we're going to start off with um, Sam's. Lack of racing knowledge?
0: <laughs> That's just a hit of the good oil too, right? Sam Hewitt, producer exactly. of Steffi's show.
14: We've got to talk about our tipping quickly this year, Steph. Um, okay. Listeners to the show uh, who maybe joined us a bit later than January, February would have heard us talk about my complete lack of understanding of the greyhound and horse racing industry. Now I know what you're thinking. Really? You know, you, Sam knows nothing about racing? I have no idea because time and time again, staff, I bring in hundreds of dollars for this show. Um, but there was one time, unfortunately for me, where the uh, facade was completely ruined and my cover blown when I thought I had found a hidden gem in one of the greyhound fields. Oh, I don't think it's the only obvious option in that, uh, in that particular field, staff. A um, couple of couple of firsts, a couple of seconds, couple of thirds in the last five starts. Um, and
4: having drawn two, the fact that there's a vacant box in three, is are you lending towards that?
14: Can I be honest with you?
6: Hmm?
14: Can I make a confession that I'm embarrassed about, but I'm happy to do it for the sake of good radio? Hmm. Um, When I looked at the uh, race on the TAB Hmm. and I saw um, number three, I thought, vacant box three, what kind of name is that? (laughs) (laughs) And I saw that there was no trainer and there was no form, and I thought... That's the worst dog i have ever seen in my life. It's just entered itself, it it hasn't had training. It's, it's, train. it's just gonna walk. you guys straight. <laughs> it wasn't until I looked across and saw scratched and I thought, oh okay. But uh, I did. I was tempted to take vacant box three. I was tempted. I wonder if it's related to vacant box six. <laughs> yeah, out of the same stable. It's not even a stable, is it? It's a kennel. <laughs>
0: Robbie, that's a good one. That's have you good. ever have, vacant oh. box through? Have you ever been in a situation like they've gone, oh, and not realised there was nothing there?
2: Not personally. No.
0: no. <laughs> are, you, are you telling the are you telling the honest truth? Yeah, maybe. I think so. You are fibbing. Uh, there is one I, I would like to say a bit of mistaken identity.
14: Kirsty Stanway on the run home during what is arguably my favorite segment on the radio here at SENZ, and that is the cross uh with SEN's Joel and Fletch in Sydney. On a Wednesday, take a listen to this.
9: Hey, guys, just before we get into all things uh, seriousness, uh, did you know it was 10 years ago since Levi Hawken made your country famous? Do you know who Levi Hawken is? You're
13: no. looking at me like, like you don't
9: know. But is
14: he the guy in the wheelchair?
9: No, that's <laughs> Stephen. <don't> <laughs> that's <10th> <laughs> Stephen. I'll give you a bit of it, give...
13: <laughs> and he
14: wasn't—he wasn't Kiwi. He wasn't a <laughs> New Zealander, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Levi Hawken. He's the, uh, Nick, he's minute the Nick Minute guy. guy. Um, certainly not solving, <laughs> um, you know, the mysteries of a black hole by any stretch of the imagination. Um,
0: oh dear. Yeah, Levi Hawken, Nick Minute, Nick Minute. So if you want to hear all. <laughs> just just look I just looked it up and looked at the photo of the guy yeah yeah minute uh if you want to hear all 90 minutes that's right 90 minutes of Sam Hewitt's compilation of the bloopers of the year and that's a hell of a thing to do then feel free to go to we'll go to step afternoons afternoon the sta- staff, afternoons podcast, channel, yep. the podcast channel and uh, get amongst
2: it Next <laughs> minute
0: are we sure are we sure we don't have a break we got a break now oh we got a break now
2: all right we take do. the take the break
0: and that's us almost done for 2022, this Christmas edition of the Saturday session with Stephen McIver and uh, Robin McFarland. Thank you, Robbie, for uh, being a good a good sport. Uh, looking forward to a little bit, bit of a break.
2: Tiny bit of a break, yeah. Got uh, four or five days off. But yeah, no, thanks, Stephen. Been, been good to be here.
0: Yeah, it's been good. It's been good fun. And now we start thinking about. Uh, Chilling out for a bit. Well, then I'll be back on the 27th, the day after Boxing Day with Mitch McLennan to do breakfast, but I'm also looking forward to doing the ASB Classic and something that you want to go to and I still think you should do on New Year's Day at Western Springs, the Michael Pickens Testimonial. I think you should make the effort. Uh, I I probably should I know you're going to do breakfast the next day go for a few hours we are done the good oils up next that was the Christmas edition of the Saturday session wherever you are around this beautiful country of ours happy Christmas be safe see ya